The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Tell me, darn. And not to it, but to do it, brother. Let's roll. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. The Carolina Panthers under new management, but has anything changed? Well, we're going to let you know. It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. It's Tuesday night. It's about, it's nine o'clock on the dot. Oh my God. And we're here to chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective and the news of the day, the week. Dan Morgan has been promoted to GM, general manager, but also president of football operations. And the Carolina Panthers are now embarking further on their head coaching search as the names Dave Canellis, Bobby Slowick continue to dominate the conversation. We've got a jam-packed show for you tonight. I'm here with my wheelman, Cody Lack. What's up, my man? Tony Dunn, the news is abundant. The offseason is officially underway. And look, a lot of people have been complaining about this Dan Morgan thing. Me, believe it or not, my cynical ass is a little bit optimistic about the situation. I believe we have a guy that wants to build around Bryce Young. Tony, you know I've been a fan of Dan Morgan for a long time. Uh, even before we hired Fitterer, I was a fan of bringing Dan Morgan back to this organization. We have the fan reaction to it. It looks now like we have a leader in the clubhouse for the potential for a next head coach for the Carolina Panthers. And, hey, if anything, we were saying that they needed to hire the general manager before they hired their next head coach. Well, Tony Dunn, that's exactly what they did. We're going to talk about it all tonight. We're going to have your cat calls. We have uh, two incredible guests coming on tonight, John Crumpler talking about the Texans and Bobby Slowick's match to this team. We got uh, our man Ricky Reigns coming back on the show tonight. Tony, we have a great show in store. And as always, we're going to do it with the best damn Panther fans in all of YouTube. You know him and love him. It's our man Pickle. What's up, Drew? What's up, dude? Blake Bettis, Joey the Blind Panther, the brand ambassador, Diesel Skills. What's up, boy? Cody 13, David Screws, H-Town Texans. What's up? Jake the Snick FU, Kristen Ladane, P Dubs, Panther Gal 73, Roosevelt Mongo, and Stephen Bailey. Tony Dunn, ain't nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. Like Cody said, we've got a jam-packed show. John Crumpler, lead analyst for the tech for Texans Wire, and also just uh, kind of just an under bringing us a not and also he's going to be helping us understand Bobby Slowick's offense what has been going on 
with the Texans. Gosh, you want to get some inside track on C.J. Stroud and how that matches up for a potential head coach and system that could be implemented here in Carolina. You want to hang out and check out what John Crumpler's got to say at 920. 940, Ricky Rain's coming on to help us break down the GM, the front office restructuring, as well as the Carolina Panthers' continued search for a head coach. But before that, we've got CK, the voice that makes him voice. CK, we got a GM, Dan Morgan, a Panther legend, linebacker legend, and somehow I look at Twitter today and it's just Luke Keekley tweets. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I hear some things about maybe a, a linebacker's coach. Um, listen, that would be the most interesting uh, football team alive if we just started to see like legends come back, uh, wide receivers coach of Steve Smith, Luke as the linebackers coach, uh, Pep as the defensive line coach. I got to be awesome to see all of that. Um, but those are great stories, right? Those aren't things that necessarily translate into success. And I think that's where some of the hesitation is from Dan Morgan. I wasn't, he wasn't even on my candidate list of people that I wanted, right? But you're not going to hear me coming in here and telling you that it's going to be bad or waiting for him to fail. Because I think as a Panthers fan, uh, it is never over until it's over, right? And I think Dan Morgan offers another set of eyes and another opportunity. We don't know what this front office looked like while he was there, how that interaction with him and Scott Fitterer was. Um, So it's impossible to make an assumption based off of that. Um, my concern always and uh, will continue to always be he's going to have a connection to all of the bad moves we made as a Panther. Um, and I know the arguments become that he was just a secondhand man. He wasn't the person calling the names of people at the draft night. He wasn't the person signing the contracts. He wasn't. And I almost feel like that argument is more insulting to Dan Morgan than anything else. You're basically saying that he just existed in the in the front office doing nothing and had no input and he wasn't respected. But that's contradictory, right? And so that's where my concern always lies. I'm hopeful this guy is going to be able to do something more than what we've seen over the past. I'm just hoping it's more than just a good story. I've got a fun rebuttal for you tonight, CK. It ought to be a good one. Yeah, the go. numbers 252-228-5098. That's 252-228-5098. Let us hear your thoughts on Dan Morgan's ascension to football, president of football operations, as well as general manager. Uh, ben, a lot of, I would say, not mixed reviews is mostly negative response by Carolina Panthers overall to this decision. We'd yeah. like to hear from you and why this was the right move, why this was the wrong move. Or are we just upset because we're going to be upset until this Panther team is a little bit better? Uh, Go ahead. Smash the thumbs up button. Share the show. That's right. Just hit the share button. Share it on X. Share it on Facebook. Drop it on Reddit. Let people know about the C3 Panthers podcast in this community. And every week how we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions with you, the fan. Let's get into this. Dan Morgan yesterday was announced as being hired as general manager. CK said, do you want to do a reaction show? I said, it's not even giant news to me because, hey, I don't know. Is that internal promotion? Uh, Dan Morgan named president of football operations and general manager. A message circulated from David Tepper to 
Carolina Panthers employees, I guess. And it said this, I'm excited to let you know that Dan Morgan will serve as our president of football operations slash general manager. Dan has a thorough knowledge of our football personnel and a clear vision to take us where we all want to go. We know he will attack this opportunity with the same intensity he did as a Carolina Panthers fan. Now, the fans did not find this with, uh, overall, not a lot of excitement, but Carolina Panther players did, and the Panthers let you know about it today as they looked. Look, this is a cool graphic. I like this graphic right here. Dan, the man, was what Panthers tweeted out, and you see Jonathan Stewart up there. You see Julius Peppers, Mike Rucker, Jonathan Stewart, man, uh, Hayden Hurst, Frankie Louvu, Reggie yeah, Wayne, Hayden Hurst, Reggie Wayne, dude. Uh, Panther players are for this, and Tony, this is where you really start to see the split in how former players view this and how fans view this. And CK already alluded to it a little bit. There is inevitably going to be that contingent of the fan base that is just going to instantly connect Dan Morgan to every bad thing that's been happening over the course of the past few years. And I understand why why someone might think that or why someone might say that. I mean, you know, I believe even Joe Person uh, put out in his tweet, which I believe we have right here. Normally on a two and fifteen team, you're not promoting from within. Yeah. But I think that is underselling really who Dan Morgan is and who the league at large views Dan Morgan to be. This is someone who has cut his teeth literally from the bottom up playing NFL football, getting into front offices, being a scout, and being with other organizations where he has been shown firsthand how to team build and how to put teams together. That led him back to Carolina where, yes, he was a part of that Matt Rule, Scott Fitterer contingent, which did not do very well for us. But, Tony, the comparison that I've been making on Twitter is once upon a time, Brandon Bean, who is a very successful general manager of the Buffalo Bills, was on the same team or or the same front office as Dave Gettleman. And I don't remember people necessarily blaming Brandon Bean for all of the bad things that that Dave Gettleman did later in his career. So I understand why people might be upset. I just think it's a little premature to judge Dan Morgan for the sins of Scott Fitterer and Matt Rule when we really don't know where he stood on a lot of the draft picks. We don't know where he stood on a lot of the free agent moves. And hopefully now when you have someone that has been around that keep pounding culture, has been around Julius Peppers and Steve Smith, and who knows what it's about, maybe he's They've been be around able- him. Yeah, and that? they all love around him. Think about this. is This guy holds the, the record for the number of tackles in the Super Bowl, right? Uh, he is the Luke Keekley before Luke Keekley also. Still, right? Doesn't he still hold that stat? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. He also is a, a very similar trajectory of kind of the Luke Keekley career. I mean, I, I think Luke Keekley was even greater player, but, uh, you know, is a career cut short by injuries, uh, chose to or at least to retire early or because of dealing with the same thing that Luke Keekley did to yeah. save his noggin. And clearly that noggin still exists. There are brain cells in there still. The CTE did not kick in because he has been around the league and been involved 
uh, for about 14 years now, it feels like, uh, getting involved in front offices. So let's start with, uh, look, is the Panther fans negative reaction? I couldn't find really anybody that was excited about it. Um, and not to be surprised, you know, unsurprisingly, right? Unsurprisingly that the Panther fans reacted ne- negatively to this is Slick Wick, for instance, said promoting Dan Morgan to GM is the equivalent of making Thomas Brown our new head coach. Had new f- no favorites for the GM p- position. He's the one guy I thought shouldn't get the job. It would be like us drafting Levis at one. Colby, C3 Colby yeah, in the chat. He says, C3 Colby, get him. Yeah, he says the Panthers go 2-50 and 50 this season, but yet Dan Morgan is a candidate for GM. That shitty smell is still on you as well, Dan. To even consider keeping anybody in this front office is absolutely stupid. I can't take them serious at all. At Not Chris Tabor says, I'm a huge fan of Dan. Uh, I'm a huge Dan Morgan fan. I have his jersey in my closet. I do not want him as GM because of his ties to with previous leadership, Carolina needs a fresh start. And the funny, very funny Dennis Cox, known for his um, not Matt Rule, fake Matt Rule. He says this, if the Carolina Panthers want to fix their roster, why hire someone who was one of the people responsible for putting the roster together to begin with? Now, look, is the, yeah, and then it gets worse, is uh, Gage at Gage. Van underscore says W or L for Dan Morgan hire. And it's just L's down the list in response (laughs) to this. Panther fans were not excited. And to talk about the negatives is I think it was either Joe person or Mike K's story. One of the two are probably both highlighted the same things is that Scott Fitter and Dan Morgan were very close in their decision-making over the past year. What you saw, is that uh, Scott Fitter always talked about the collaboration. They talked about how these guys traveled on their scouting visits. To me, though, I want I, th- I think that's slightly overblown because they were all traveling to see the quarterback, right? It's not like these guys were hitting the road looking for corners or something like that. I even heard that they were neighbors, right, and lived in the same neighborhood and that their ties go back to Seattle. So number one, negative association with the Scott Fitter era. Number two, probably comes out to this, is that the Carolina Panthers trotted him out a lot in front of the mic or at least made him a focal point of this front office this past year. And really the most damning piece of evidence to most people in mind is that uh, the famous statement that Scott Fitter and Dan Morgan went, and I think it was Scott Fitter who actually said this, by the way. I don't think it was Dan that said this, but that they collaboratively went through the roster position group by position group, and they really felt there was only one position group, which they did not identify that they were not better in. And then you basically is guilt by association, regardless, because the Carolina Panthers had a terrible season, fired their coach half, not even halfway into the season, the draft seems very questionable outside of even the pick. I mean, you could some ways say that some people have a lot of question marks about the number one overall pick in Bryce Young, and you look over there at the success of C.J. Stroud. So there's really not a lot of things to celebrate or to hang your hat on in his time in Carolina. Cody, though, I we have not collaborated on this. 
We have not no. talked together. No. I don't think it's the worst move. I don't either. I don't either. Antonio, can I tell you why I don't think it's the worst move? Please, and then I'm going to tell you why. Yeah, please. We've all had this argument about, you know, was it really a unanimous decision to draft Bryce Young at number one like they say it was? Because they say that it was a unanimous decision. Well, at this point, with all that we've given up for Bryce Young, you have to guarantee that your next general manager and head coach are dedicated to building around Bryce Young and getting the most out of him possible. At right. least this way, you know now that you have someone that's willing to do that <laughs> in a Dan Morgan, who was a part of the team that selected Bryce Young number one overall. Now you know you're not going to have a scenario where you bring in a brand new GM and a brand new head coach that had zero say-so in their franchise quarterback of the future, and then maybe they would be wanting to move on from him in just a mere year or two after they don't get it their way. To me, this guarantees that your organization from top to bottom is dedicated to doing everything possible to making Bryce Young a franchise quarterback. If you're someone who is hopeful for Bryce Young, then I think that you should be happy about this. Because it says that your GM prefers that quarterback to be the future of this offense. I think that's a big deal, Tony. I think it's understandable people aren't ups- uh, aren't excited, right? Yeah, I think sure. there is it's completely understandable to have some hev- hesitancy or like Colby said uh said it's just like hey, uh you know nobody should be involved and um you know going forward after what we saw. Here's the thing is, as we have continued to debate this ad nauseum, the problems that face the 2023 Carolina Panthers, we continue to say that was difficult to figure out how much was like on the history of this team was even on Scott Fitter. And you really said this is the past year, this past draft and this past offseason was the problem was really the most damning evidence when it came to Scott Fitter's involvement. Here's the thing is one, I think we, Oh, and the other thing is people say, look, is that, Hey, he's part of this scouting thing. He's uh, they're not making any big changes in scouting. And what really we have just associated is this, is that a bad season, a difficult draft means that the Mm -hmm. entire structure that was implemented is flawed and was bad. And I think this, if we go back and remember that the Panthers revamped their scouting structure just the offseason before 2023. They revamped the whole scouting department and all of that. So to say we have a long tenure of evidence of how much Dan Morgan has contributed to the scouting and like that development is really just a short sample set. The other thing is that When you're talking about, I think that if anything, there might be some stability in the scouting system that you can build off of instead of having to replace every single thing at being at ground zero. Right. And so what you get a guy is the last point is this is what we do is whenever someone has is associated with any team or organization that has any success, we link them. We lock, we we handcuff them to that success. We say, oh, look, Scott Fitter in Seattle. Look at what all they did. 
Look, I mean, Scott Fitter was part of that. He was the guy that's found Russell Wilson. He's the guy that, you know, and really is if, if you have guilt by association, you also have success by association. And one of the things is, is that you can look at all of these people around the league and you say, oh, look, they were part of something good. Oh, they were part of something bad. We don't know necessarily how influential any of these guys are in some of those decision making. I, again, understand Carolina Panther feds who are hesitant and being optimistic about anything associated with the past season. But I don't know if we can continue to find. Look, there was really a lot of problems. And here I got another hot take and we're going to get to our guest, John Crumpler, joining us from the from Texans Wire to talk about Bobby Slowick, the Houston Texans, and what really was a very exciting story with C.J. Stroud. But here, my last point is, is it really that crazy at the beginning of the season to say that the Panthers roster was better? And I would say if we go back to that moment and we look group by group by group, the really would say this is, all right, the receivers, we lost DJ Moore, probably going down a little bit. You said upgrade at tight end. You said maybe lateral at, at running back. You The safety group was upgraded a lot. We you, felt people, confident that we had upgraded this team. People yeah. were championing the offensive line from last year, and then you went out there and actually tried to get some more. You know, you got rid. You were thinking addition by subtraction by getting rid of Michael Jordan. The point that I'm trying to make is the Panthers roster was not as bad as the team was. And so maybe they weren't that ludicrous in actually saying that, but they were associated with a bad draft. We'll come back to Dan Morgan in just a moment, but let's sure. get to our guest, John Crumpler. Welcome to the C3 Panthers podcast. I'm Tony Dunn. This is my co-host Cody in the top left, my other co-host CK in the top right. Thanks for joining the C3 Panthers podcast. Oh, you're, oh, you're muted. muted. Hey, you're muted, John. Hey guys, can you hear me now? Yes, yes sir. sir. Yes, there sir. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Fantastic. We uh, first of all, we caught you caught a lot of the football world's attention, not only because you have been doing a lot of work for a very exciting team this season and for the Texans, but your Bobby Slowick tweet went nutso on the internet. At least it got Panther fans' attention. It got Josh Norris' attention. And you wrote uh, very glowingly about Slowick's offense. And my co-host, Cody, has been a Slowick fan for what he has done this season. So here, we'll just ask you this. Tell us a little bit about this offensive scheme and what you were writing about here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm smiling over here to myself that when we talk about the Houston Texans, we're talking about a, a great year. If you told me that a year ago, um, right. I think it was it was just a little over a year ago we were melting down about losing the number one pick and, and how quickly the tides turned there. But, I mean, Bobby Slowick uh, came in as a bit of an unknown commodity this year with D'Amico Ryans had worked um, as a, a passing or a, a run game coordinator under Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. But part of what's made C.J. Stroud so successful, and don't get me wrong, he is a phenomenal player. He's going to have a lot of future success um, after Bobby Slowick as well. But he he creates offenses, and I think a lot of the the Shanahan, and you can even take it further back to Gary Kubiak, these Kubiak-Shanahan offenses, they're designed to insulate the quarterback. And, and what I mean is 
you still are going to allow your quarterback to be great and to do things really well, but it's not dictated on that. So when you look at what Bobby Slowick did this year with CJ Stroud, it kind of started with the run game. And a lot of Texans fans were very upset, especially once Stroud had started playing well. It's why are you running the ball so much? Like, what is Bobby doing? And what he's doing is when Stroud's under center, you can't hit him. When Stroud's under center, you're limiting how defenses can blitz you. Um, and also you're getting kind of getting, you're going into 12 personnel, too tight end. You're getting some motion here, kind of condensing and bringing the defense in. And what that does eventually, if the run game and our, our run game wasn't awesome, but it does put you in more manageable second and third downs, but also opens up these great play action shots. And that's when um, I think Houston's offense and a lot of the highlights people saw, that's when it really exploded. Um, other we don't know did, anything about that in Carolina, actually. Those are the opposite of what we have. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I got to go in person to the Carolina Texans game and my, I guess uh, my, my girlfriend's family, they're Panther season ticket holders. So I've been hoping to, to see y'all kind of improve as well. And no, not a lot of that in Carolina this year. But one other one other thing on that topic with the run game is Bobby was very intentional about bringing additional blockers, whether that was wide yes. receivers in motion to chip, whether that was tight ends, leaving running backs in in protection. And you had elite pass rushers like TJ Watt, like Miles Garrett, and they would just, they didn't do anything against the Texans. He would take those guys out of the game from a schematic standpoint. And what that left was an offense that it gave CJ Stroud, who y'all probably did a lot on him last, uh, last spring that everyone's concern was, can he create, like, we know he's a great passer when he has time. And well, Bobby said one Stroud could create, but he's like, Oh, I'll, I'll give him all the time in the world then. And he really just let guys do what they're good at from there. I mean, you saw Nico Collins, uh, a relative nobody before that, 1,300 yards this year. Tank Dell, who everyone was worried about his size, he looks like a legitimate number two um, NFL mm-hmm. wide receiver. Dalton Schultz had a good year. Brevin Jordan took off. Devin Singletary kind of abandoned in Buffalo. He he would run for 1,000 yards if they went to him earlier in the season than they did. So I really think it's a scheme that gets the best out of everybody, and when you look at a team like the Panthers who have so much invested in Bryce Young and, and they kind of need – if they're going to be great, uh, you you put him in the best possible situation to do that. And it's not that you're limiting him, but you're just insulating the surroundings to just let him be great. Yeah. John, listen, so thanks so much for coming on the show tonight. Uh, obviously, we want to talk to you about Bobby Slovak and how important that offensive system has been. But, brother, look, uh, I would be remiss if we didn't at least take a moment to talk about C.J. Stroud, man. I mean, really, this C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young thing has literally been the great schism that has torn Panther fans asunder, dude. You were either on Team Stroud or you were on Team Young, and if you were on one of the other, there's a whole lot of rubbing each other's noses in it. One of the conversations that has been had a numerous amount of times is that C.J. Stroud would have not have been as successful on this Panthers football team. So this question comes up with how much of C.J. Stroud's rookie season was him being an incredible quarterback that was able to elevate the talent around him? Or was he on a great football team with a lot of dynamic receivers at the wide receiver position, a good offensive line that was, even though it was injured, was still managing to give him protection? How would you say that it works? Was C.J. more a product of this offense? Or did CJ just come in and just absolutely elevate everyone around him? 
I love this offense, but I think you have to start with CJ elevated this offense and everyone who watched the AFC divisional round on Saturday, I think the Texans got exposed a little bit for being a team that overperformed their talent level this uh, this entire year. It is one of the most expensive offensive lines in football, but it's not one that performed like one. And I don't know, we, we just talked about additional protections. If you need that, if they've been playing to that caliber, this was a receiving group that did not explode until Stroud got in the building. And it was a run game that I talk about the volume of the run game, but from an efficiency standpoint, uh, one of the worst running games in the NFL. And when we go to this Stroud Bryce Young conversation, I think two th- one that the offense did put him in a, a great situation to succeed. But two things that I think Stroud did a little better than anyone might have anticipated. I'm someone who had Bryce Young as my number one quarterback going into the drafts. I think Texans fans had a lot of similar conversations on the on uh, on social media, but. I think Stroud's arm strength might have been underrated coming in just with how effortless he made things look at Ohio State and how receivers were generally able to get open. I think it might have been undervalued just how well and how accurately um, he was able to throw it in terms of the mobility conversation. I think the Georgia game, and it's funny, he's talked about this on Pat McAfee, talked about this in other places. I think it it did kind of represent a transition point for him for how mobile he was willing to be. And I don't think any one of that, anybody could have anticipated that. And then finally, and I think this is important for the Bryce Young point, when the pocket gets really muddy for CJ, not only people talk about seeing over the line, whatever, CJ does not need to have a a really great base with his feet to throw a great football. So it can get really messy in there and he can be in less than ideal situations, but he can fire it off. So I think anybody would have failed in Frank Reich's offense. I watched as much of Carolina as I could this year. I thought that was horribly unfair to a rookie quarterback, and maybe we'll talk about that in a bit. But I do think CJ can do some things physically that um, maybe number nine cannot is not going to be able to do. You mentioned that offensive line. Uh, you said they were highly paid, but they were also held together with duct tape and string, it felt like, as they continued to cycle in backup after backup. Uh how were you guys is is can you just be happy with the success i mean i know it's it's kind of demoral not demoralizing uh, disheartening to get you know manhandled in the second half by the baltimore ravens but they're arguably the best team in football right is you had a fantastic season what went wrong in that game and what should we if we're going to attribute all the success of this season not all of it to Bobby Slowick, but a lot of where we're so excited about him is what went wrong in that game from his standpoint. And um, my, and I guess the last question I'll pass the mic to somebody after that is after you have to answer that is Bobby Slowick ready to be a head coach. Yeah. So kind of a, a two part question there and two loaded questions. I, I don't want to go too into detail on the Baltimore game. I know this is a, a Panthers podcast, but I would say that the Houston Texans this year, part of how they got to the divisional round is that they rode exceptional coaching and exceptional talent at key positions. I mean, you look at quarterback, wide receiver, one left tackle, two edge rushers, a premier cornerback, and then some good players at other spots. And Baltimore found something that Houston couldn't do and really picked at it. And what that was, and I've touched on it already, Houston could not run the ball very effectively. It's key to their identity of who they are. But Baltimore figured out that with limited resources, they could stay in nickel, so stay in these smaller personnel packages, and they could keep playing two high safeties as to play any coverage look. They could still blow up Houston's run game. So 
what it left was Bobby Sloak's in a situation that he couldn't run the ball. He tried to go to heavier personnel sets to run it. They just stayed in their base, which was their base nickel defense, and they stopped it. And then he has the pass, and it's against these – I mean, Mike McDonald, I think who is another coach you guys are interviewing, really fabulous with some of these post-snap – coverage rotations and all of a sudden it was very very difficult to figure out where to go with the ball and to have successful plays and um baltimore's defensive line they were blowing everything up so even by the time cj's and he's quick he's working through these defenses he found some answers like through the game but uh by on the whole pressure was getting to him and flushing him in one direction before he could get through that so the texans long story short they were forced to be one-dimensional because of personnel and they didn't have a good way to counter that without the protection holding up. So I don't put a lot on Bobby Slowick. I, I think some other people in the Houston media might disagree with me. They didn't love that trick play, but uh, I don't put a lot on Bobby for that one. Now, is he ready to be a head coach? That is not a question I don't think I'm able to answer. I, I don't I don't know Bobby Slowick. Um, I know people speak very highly of him. My understanding is he's interviewing very well. He gave extremely thoughtful answers to the podium, but that's a different answer of, are you ready to lead a locker room? Are you ready to lead a coaching staff? It's not always the best coordinators that make the best head coaches. And if there was any hesitation about hiring Bobby Sloak, as great as this offense, I think, would be at elevating and protecting Bryce Young, it might be about that readiness, both of time spent in a role like this. And um, additionally, what kind of staff would he bring with him? Because his, I guess his connections to this point and how he's been in the league um, you know, one year as a coordinator and otherwise with San Francisco. So, but going I back to that Washington that. team, we get to see that cool graphic of Sean McVay on that team, Mike McDaniel's on that team, Slowick, right? Is the 2013 as a defensive guy, no yeah, that. Redskins. Is that, I mean, it's not like he is Joe Brady. No, he, I mean, he's. <laughs> He's had some stops. He's been in the league for his dad was a defensive coordinator for like yeah. almost 20 years in the league. And I mean, heck, Bobby coached on the defensive side of the ball for that Washington team, which, which I think is really interesting. <clears throat> kind of got to understand the workings of NFL defenses before transitioning back to work offense of Kyle Shanahan. So he's well tenured. He's spent, spent plenty of time. I just think it's a hard, hard to say for a, a first year coordinator when and if they're ready. There's plenty of success stories on. I mean, I guess success stories uh, for people who have, have done it and some people who no matter how much time they have, it's not going to happen. So I think that that probably is just the risk. Of, he's young. He might. I think he might be. He would be the youngest head coach in the NFL. Or he? One of them wow. immediately. He must have been 13 when he was on that damn Washington. Team. <laughs> well, so like if uh, if he took the job. I don't know if he'd be younger than McVay, but I think they'd be pretty similarly aged. I know. I think McVay is finally with. When Mayo got hired, McVay is no longer the youngest head coach, but Bobby's young. Yeah. So, okay, go well, ahead. Yeah. So, all year we've heard the issue with Bryce is he was waiting <clears throat> for all of his receivers to be college open when you have to throw these guys NFL open. Um, and when I watched the Texans, <clears throat> these middle-of-the-pack receivers that hadn't really gotten attention, whereas Nico Collins is now considered a top-10 wide receiver in the league, all of a sudden, these guys are getting college open as opposed to NFL open. What is it about Slowick's offense that got these guys? Like, I mean, even against that Baltimore Ravens team, there were some misses to him. Um, there were some hits uh, down the – but there was multiple times – 
he was just ble- like nobody within 10 yards of him. What is it? What's, what's happening with that offense that should get Panthers fans excited about the potential of a slow head coaching uh, the Carolina Panthers? It makes you think that maybe he was scheming these guys open. Yeah. And I mean, I think this conversation almost has to start with what Carolina did. And you guys tell me if this is a fair assessment, but at times it felt like watching your cousin play Madden, watching what Frank's Reich offense was for, for Bryce Young this year. You know, you're in the shotgun. I think they were in the shotgun over 90% of their plays. Um, you know, maybe a, a run here, a pass there. You know, they played the greatest hits, a lot of familiar NFL passing concepts, but it didn't feel like watching them that things were tied together to make sense sequentially. So like I, I tied yeah, to, sequencing know, is a word we used a lot in this sequencing. Yeah. So you're just kind of randomly picking things out. And when you don't have talent, that's a, that's a real disaster because coordinators, they can sit on good concepts. Nothing in the league is new at this point. Everything in the league has been done. It's just about finding new ways to get to stuff that already exists. And that brings us to Bobby Sloak and, when you have a team that is under center to kind of force some some real respect for the run game and limit some of the coverage menu, it's going to open stuff up with play action. And you're really starting to tie, okay, this run looks similar to this run, which also looks similar to this passing concepts. And when you bring in motion, you really start to play the defense of moving them in one direction. And when eventually you're pulling guys around, it allows you to set up some some big shots. And I think that's when you see guys open down the field is you've been working the defense to over move to this or, OK, they say, I've seen that this game, I've seen this on film, I'm going. And that's exactly where you want them. And you're able to put a guy into position. So I would say it's kind of the some of the intentionality of both the play composition uh, along with motion and sequencing is um, how you saw guys in Houston get open. And also I, I will be fair. I do think Nico Collins and Tank Tell are better receivers than you had sure. in Carolina this year, but I don't think I, I think both. No arguments here from watching like Bobby, Bobby put Nico in a position to be really good. I mean, I, people were laughing this summer. Nico Collins talked about it. He said, Bobby had him watching Julio Jones and people were like, that's, that's pretty ridiculous. Like Nico hasn't done anything for two years. He's, you know, he's not going to be Julio Jones, former top five pick. And, um, you know, I mean, 1,300 yards, and you saw some of the plays this year. They did. They put him in the slot. They moved him all over the field. They let him just uh, be bigger, stronger than everyone. I mean, Bobby put guys in a position to succeed within the context of kind of this, I mean, you call it an orchestra, and I think that's part of why things went so well. 1,300 yards and more touchdown touchdowns in a single season than Julio Jones had in his career. No, I'm just kidding. Julio was a monster, just never in the end zone. You're listening to John Crumpler, Texans Wire. We're here on the C3 Panthers podcast uh, looking into Bobby Slowick as a head coach. But we've got Ricky Reigns here to help us. Well, Ricky's coming on. He's on the show. He's our next guest. But he wanted to catch up with John and pick his brain about some of this Bobby Slowick success. Ricky, welcome to the C3 Panthers podcast. The mic is yours. Get in there. What's up, fellas? Thank you for having me on again. John, nice to meet you, man. Um, hey, great to meet you. I had a question for you about um, the the Slowick offense and, and how he's been able to help that offensive line with his protections. Um, because that's something that I think is very intriguing for Panthers fans as we sit here and we gauge like prospective head coach candidates and what they would be bringing here and how they could help 
the offense that we have already here in this locker room, right? Because we're not going to be able to turn over the entire roster in an offseason. We're not going to be able to rebuild every position group. Um, now, I know with like the iteration of the West Coast offense that Slowick runs, which you were talking about, goes back to Kubiak, right? Like it's not just a Shanahan offense. Um, there's a high emphasis on the interior offensive lineman in a zone blocking concept like that. But what I've noticed is that a lot of these um, new versions of the Shanahan offense also come with a really good left tackle on most of these teams, right? Laramie Tunsil is an absolute stud. You've got Trent Williams out there in San Francisco. Um, Miami went and made the concerted effort to bring in a Teron Armstead. How important is that left tackle position for that for the protections on there? Because you're not you're keeping people in, but you're not going over there and chipping all the time on your premier left tackle. That guy is expected to kind of be on that island and win his one on ones. How important is that from your perspective for that offense to have the same amount of success? And I think every every team in the NFL would love to have a great left tackle. It's an right. awesome luxury when you have someone that you can put on an island to. I don't think everyone saw Tunsil against Miles Garrett in the Cleveland playoff game. But what you're not going to talk about a lot is that Tunsil missed games this year. He missed mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh game against EJ Watt. They had to find answers when they were dealing with kind of replacement level tackle play. George Fant came in. Um, also, but I mean, Titus Howard, our right tackle missed time. So this was a team that dealt with a revolving door at the tackle position. So do I think you would like to have a, a really good guy there? Yes. But do I, I think it's a necessity? Not necessarily because I mean, a lot of what Bobby did is he did create, he, he wasn't afraid to give guys help. There was no pride concept of, oh, we need you to do this. Um, I think he was pretty intentional about removing defenders from the game with additional blockers, with shifting the line. Um, something you saw a lot of that was really impressive, especially, and I keep talking about these play action shots, but that this is where the meat of Houston's like sexy plays came from. They roll the pocket. So you just get away from some of these guys and that yeah. gives you so much time. So you saw across the season, a lot of creative solutions that, okay, if we can't win a man on a man, what can we do? We can put it, throw additional bodies at the problem. We can get away from the problem. Um, and Houston's offense evolved in that way. And it kind of consistently gave Stroud time. And another thing that I, I put in here that I think is notable and Stroud's talked about this on multiple occasions, he says that the offense that he worked with this year was less complicated than what he worked with at Ohio state. Yeah. I think that they took, they took things off his plate to make it. And I mean, he's still having to process these coverages. He still needs to know it's not, it's not as if what he's doing is easy, but they made his job as direct as possible. And I think that includes taking some of the protection stuff off of his plate as well. So um, to answer your question, I, I do think it is funny kind of, I didn't thought about the coincidence of the left tackles in these schemes and you'd love to have one, but I think there's more solutions than, than having to have that even um, with the importance in the run game. And we kind of saw Slowick all year throw different things at that problem and figure it out. So John, you mentioned earlier very briefly that, you know, a lot of Texan fans thought very highly of Bryce Young. Uh, well, I also wanted to pick your brain on on this as well, right? Uh, you know, and you can confirm or deny this, but some Texans beat reporters had basically come out and said that if the Texans had moved up to number one, that it was going to be for Bryce Young. And this is part of the reasons why, why I was so high on Bobby Slowick, even compared to Ben Johnson, because in my mindset, well, if Bobby Slowick is already on a team where everyone around him 
was rumored to be wanting Bryce. Well, then in my head, that kind of says to me that maybe Bryce Young is a quarterback that is basically almost tailor-made for the type of offense that Bobby Slowick intends to run. Do you think there's any truth to that? Do you think that Bryce was the original quarterback that the Texans wanted? And do you think that Bryce is that tailor-made quarterback for a style that Bobby Slowick intends to implement? Um, I, I do believe that Bryce Young was likely the original target for Houston going into that offseason. I don't think you hear um, so much noise in March and April about confusion around Houston's pick if it was known that they um, were equally infatuated with the quarterbacks. I've been I think publicly, people I respected have said it. I've been told privately by, by people. Um, everything points that Bryce Young was someone that the building coveted. Um, and they kind of really fought through that process to the last week to land on CJ Stroud. And um, I, I don't think they would have gone through the PR nightmare of people worrying if they weren't going to take a quarterback uh, if, if that was not the case. Um, now, is Bryce Young the guy built for that offense? I don't think D'Amico brought Bobby Slug with the intention of Bryce Young going to be our quarterback. They didn't have the number one pick. They were never in control of that. They might have liked Bryce, but um, I think they knew very well. D'Amico took someone that he trusted um, – to, to do football things. That's kind of D'Amico's all business and he makes things very simple. I don't think he would have taken um, anyone for any specific player. Now, can Bryce run that offense? Absolutely. And I think it would play to a lot of his strengths in this way from some of the protection stuff, but also getting him on the move with rolling the pocket. I do think Bryce is someone who excels at reading coverages and, and can do that in a scheme that makes sense and presents answers. I think Bobby had good answers for the blitz as well this season, which is when I watched Carolina frequently, it felt like when he was hot, there just were not good answers in that offense, either no. schematically, both schematically and from a personnel standpoint of where do I go with this? So um, I, I think Bryce Young could absolutely like thrive in this offense. I think any quarterback could, and that's kind of what's so fun about it. It's part of why the the discourse around a guy like Brock Purdy is so toxic right now. And then, uh, but the, Bryce is uh, he's demonstrably talented. I think there's a reason he was recruited so highly in high school that he was so successful at the college level. And I, I do think that the right coach is going to get that back out of him, even if they do need to to rebuild his confidence. And some of the, I think you started to see bad habits creep out through the year that you just watched him and that didn't look like the player you were expecting from college. John, do you got time for two last questions for us? Yes, absolutely. Perfect. CK, you go first. Um, Mine's hopefully short and simple. Um, The Texans uh, weren't able to make it past the Ravens. Um, I don't know what this offseason looks like for the Texans. I don't know what the free agency uh, is going to look like. I think CJ Stroud is going to bring a lot of eyes from wandering free agents looking for a team. Um, but are there any concerns about what you guys might be losing or what you're needing in the offseason and not having next year's first round pick? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, because of the Will Anderson trade. So we have a, they have a first round pick, their own first round pick, actually, because they were oh, able to. Cool. The Deshaun Watson trade is the trade that keeps on giving. So they were able to get <laughs> um, which in hindsight, I mean, they got slammed the night of the draft, but you go back and compared to the pass rusher, they would have gotten at 12 uh, and what Will Anderson looks like this year, top five in pass rush win rate. I think they yeah. do that all day, but so no, it's, it's a pretty great situation. Houston has a projected $70 million in cast base going into this off season. In addition to a pick in every single round of the draft. Um, 
when you talk about losing people, they are a lot of these deals that their general manager, Nick Casario targeted were one year deals kind of trying to churn the roster, get some more talent in there on these more lucrative, uh, you know, just one year contracts kind of paying out bonuses, spreading out money. But also they didn't want to commit to any future version of themselves at where they were right now. So there are some guys like Dalton Schultz is going to hit the market. You have pass rusher, Jonathan Grenard. There are some big names, but for the most part, their nucleus of, when I talk about like why they won, both their tackles are going to be back. Shaq Mason, who had a, a great year at the right guard spot, he's going to be back. Nico Collins, Tank Dell under contract. Derek Stingley, Will Anderson, they're there. So the, it's kind of fun with the Texans right now because they are choose your own adventure and they have the cap space that they're going to need to replace some of these replacement level guys, but more than enough money to target you know, anywhere from two to three, depending on how expensive they want to get. Um, starters, high-level starters to plug into this. And they're going to tell us what they want their identity be, to be next year, whether that's investing heavily at the running back position. Do they want to pay big for a wide receiver and try to have the number, the NFL's number one passing offense? Do they want to get a star on defense for D'Amico Ryans that's going to be available? They the, the future looks pretty promising. And I know we often say they'll be back, and it's, it's never really promised. But for the Texans, there's a lot of reasons to believe that they will be back in this position and they should continue to improve. As we've debated the Carolina Panthers uh, head coaching position for, and been been several times over the last couple of years now, but historically we've had defensive coaches. The one excitement piece about bringing in a kind of Frank Reich and then getting a Bryce Young was, is an offensive coach paired with uh, a young quarterback. But for us, it's really about when you have success in an offense with a defensive coach and then your coordinators move on your level of concern for not just CJ Stroud, but the, the team and the continuity, if you guys were to lose Bobby Slowick because of that, you know, and you got to, you might be able to promote internally. You might be able to keep a lot of the same things, but it's never just the same. That's always the concern with the defensive coach. And it feels I mean, I feel bad for these guys. I think some of the best candidates on the market, heck, I might say Mike McDonald, other than Ben Johnson, is the most qualified coordinator of any head coaching candidate on the market. But when it's defense, always always want to talk about that offensive coordinator spot. And it is a real concern as it goes for the Texans of potentially losing Bobby Slowick. It's less than ideal, of course. I think you want continuity with a quarterback. It's a big draw to those offenses. But at the same time, you're looking at, I mean, this offensive staff, it was more than just one guy. A lot of piece. Shane Day has been in the league a long time. He helped put this together. Gerard Johnson is the quarterback coach. And, I mean, he's already had three requests for offensive coordinator positions around the league. I think he would be heavily requested to be brought up. Uh, albeit Philadelphia kind of showed us this year it's not always as simple as promoting internally. But is there concern for losing Slowick? Absolutely. That's part of the the defensive run. But when you have a quarterback like Stroud, who is, I mean, as as sound and as promising, someone who, I mean, going into next year, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people who say he's not a top eight quarterback in the league going into year two. You're going to be able to, I think, have a candidate internally that you really trust or bring someone in from a similar line of thinking to kind of marry their concepts to what you're already doing. And that's one of the best things about having you, we started with free agency and this goes for the coaching pool too. When you have someone like a CJ Stroud and a head coach like a D'Amico Ryans, who guys are excited to play and work for, I think you're going to have attractive coordinator candidates want to come to the Houston Texans. 
Uh, fantastic stuff, John. You might want to consider changing professions because an aspiring anesthesiologist did not put me to sleep tonight. No, you didn't, man. I'm wide awake <laughs> you, about this. John, tell our listeners how they can find your work. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. Uh, guys, if you're listening, you can read all of my work on uh, USA Today's The Texans Wire, texanswire.usatoday.com. Uh, also, give me a follow on Twitter. Very active there. Have uh, really loved interacting with the Carolina fan base. It's the third year in a row because it was the the Deshaun Watson saga year one. Yeah, it was Bryce versus Stroud last year, and now it's the the head coaching carousel. So uh, a lot of love for Charlotte and, and this fan base. So give me a follow there. Mostly talking Texans, but guys, thank you for having me on. Thank you, and that's John Crumpler at John H Crumpler on Twitter. You can find him Texans wire for the usa today you're listening to the c3 panthers podcast brought to you by carolina cat chronicles.com every tuesday night we chop up the latest panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective the number to the show is 252-228-5098 we're locked and loaded let's focus now turn our attention to our good friend ricky reigns writer for cat grave also twitter extraordinaire he splashed <laughs> on the streets of twitter and has become a really a very popular person among Panther fans. Let's get your reaction. Dan Morgan was hired or I don't even know if you would say hire promoted, promoted. To, uh, yeah. pr- president of football operations and general manager, your feelings about Dan Morgan taking over the show. So it's kind of loaded for me, man, because like, obviously I'm a Panthers fan for the duration of this franchise. Right. When we became a franchise, I became a fan. Um, so from a, a sentimental standpoint, man, I, I love Dan Morgan, right? I want him to succeed. I want everything good in the world to happen to Panthers people. I don't feel super warm and fuzzy about a person that was in a relatively high-ranking position in the front office um, getting a promotion after being directly involved in a 1437 stretch for this franchise. That's a really tough sell for me. Um, but, you know, I think that some of the messaging, again, is the problem that we're running into here, man, because the way that they speak about this consulting firm coming in and doing this unbiased, extensive, exhaustive search, it's not so much about the candidates. From the more that you look into this company, it's really not about hiring the right people. It's about the structuring of the organization, and that's where they're putting their emphasis these choices for coaches and GM and the next wave will be the cap and uh, financial side of it all. That still is going to have Tepper's fingerprints all over it. Right. Yeah. And now it should, now it's going to have Dan Morgan's as well. We, we don't know how much Dan Morgan was involved in the other stuff. We don't, you're never going to have a written out summary of what these guys do on a day to day, year to year basis. Right. So you just have to go off of the results that you can and we didn't have good results with him in the front office. I don't place all of that on Dan Morgan. I don't place all of it on Scott Fitterer. I think it's a collective uh, effort and it's collective results. So I am optimistic in a sense of they're going to limit his job responsibilities. They are not giving him this overseeing general manager position like a conventional and orthodox general manager position. He is going to head that personnel side of football operations. That's why he's the president of football operations. And they're going to bring somebody else in to handle the negotiations, the contracts, the analytics, the cap. And it's not just signing free agents or, or, you know, extending guys. 
the right. analytics part is going to go into the evaluation and the personnel and all of that. These guys are going to have symbiotic relationships, but it's not the, I spoke about this earlier on the podcast that I recorded this afternoon. It's not the too many chefs in the kitchen analogy though. These guys are all going to be out their individual stations and they're making one meal, right? They're all preparing portions of a meal and then they bring it together and they serve it. It's not everybody working on the mashed potatoes and having a competition on who's the guy that perfected the mashed potatoes. <laughs> this is going to be all of the sides of Maine, and then they come out together, right? So I'm I'm at yeah. least a little bit optimistic about the restructuring of the organization. And hey, if, if Dan Morgan is as talented as a lot of people seem to uh, regard him as around league circles... <laughs> Cool, man. I would love to see success with Dan. Yeah. Speaking of mashed potatoes, the pro tip, guys, uh, the key is to warm the milk. Yeah, that's a fact, you add man. It. And melt it's... the butter in the milk. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, make yeah. sure that that's, that's going to go. yeah. everything. Warm yeah, the milk. It really helps. Go ahead, uh, Cody. Oh, well, so to kind of piggyback on what you were saying, Rick, uh, I, you know, you mentioned how there's going to be kind of a, a separating. Everyone is at their stations. Well, that yeah. makes me even more hopeful if I'm being honest, because one sure. of the things that I feel like Dan Morgan excels at is talent evaluation. He's not an analytic guy, even though I'm sure that he's worked with the analytic guys before. This is a guy that has played football at the highest level in the NFL and has been around scouting circles for a long time. Listen, I know people don't necessarily remember David Gettleman the fondest, but I love listening to David Gettleman talk and the way he would talk about prospects. And, and how you want to approach your draft. I miss that kind of approach to team building, where you know the type of football players that you're looking for, and you know what you want to add to the locker room in order mm -hmm. to build that culture. I feel like something that, that is something that Dan is poised to excel at, given his background and given what he's done before. And you may have seen it. Uh, me and you are both pretty active on Twitter. One of the comparisons that I had made is that to me, this would be like blaming Brandon Bean for all of the things that David Gellman did late in his career and saying, well, because Brandon Bean was a part of that organization, yeah, uh, that that you're, it's easy to blame him for all those things that Gellman did. To me, I just feel like it's almost premature for fans to kind of judge Dan Morgan based on the sins of what were probably more Scott Fitterer and, and Matt Rule. So that's just my general outlook on it. How would you kind of respond to that? Yeah, I, I don't think that you're wrong with the um, concept of not being able to place full blame, right? I, I think that that's a really fair perception of, of any kind of front office dealings. Where I, where I differ a little bit with you, Cody, on the brain and bean analogy is the whole reason that I have a gripe with promoting from within is because of the results of this tenure of the front office. Right. Brandon Bean and Dave Gettleman, despite having a losing season in 2016 when, when Gettleman was gone, right, or when Bean left, they right. had just had a Super, Super Bowl, Bowl run in 2015. True. And, and they both, from whatever specific jobs and specific handlings, they both had a hand in creating that team. I don't think that that team was flush with the best talent in every single position. They had an elite quarterback. They had a really strong defense. But, I mean, if you go back through there, it's not like you're talking about all Pro Bowl players, right. all pro guys. But they had an identity, and they built the team with a clear vision. They worked together, 
and and it was successful, right? And and they reached the the highest peak of the game. They didn't win it, but they got there. And that was one year removed from that separation. That's where I have a really different opinion than what we're looking at right now with the Dan Morgan and Scott Fitterer thing. Because no matter what you do, point to the one thing that anybody in that front office did in the three years, right, that they were together. Point to the one thing they did that was an absolute no question home run that impacted this franchise in a major beneficial way. Do you think I it's mean, fair to say three years, though? <laughs> you know, what do you is mean? That, because look, is uh, if, if I can remember, if I remember, and I might be wrong on my timeline, mm-hmm. is that they brought Scott Fitter in right before the 2021 draft am i wrong about that or did they he bring was, him he was in hired after he was hired in january of 21 because okay. it was the year after matt rule's first year right and dan so morgan we all- was, dan morgan was brought in after dan morgan was hired in may of 21 okay right? so he so wasn't I- around for that initial draft and i and honestly man there's a couple of things that people seem to get confused about like with the timeline right Dan Morgan was not here when we signed Frankie Louvu. People point to that and say that that was the best signing in that three years. Nah, that was a Matt Rule thing because that goes back to Temple, I think. It, it was Fitterer still, too, though, because that was at the that he was signed in March, I believe, of 2021. Frankie Louvu was. So Fitterer was the general manager then, but Dan hadn't been hired until May. Now, but the thing that Dan wasn't involved with that a lot of people want to place at his feet is the Sam Darnold trade. He wasn't here for that. So, like, there's good and bad that you just got to really, like, you, you got to make sure that you're doing your homework when you say that somebody can and can't be responsible for something. It's an easy thing to check the dates on that. We that, still don't know who made the calls, right? right. But if you're not in the room, I'm not going to put that blame on you in any way. What well, about, the, like, a Stephon Gilmore? Was that, would that be in the timetable? Stephon Gilmore, though, the were, problem is what did they do with him once they got him? Because that's another, right. but see, that's that's another element of an assistant GM and GM. But, and you see, that's what makes this the whole thing almost kind of a moot point to me. Because right. it's like, you're you're going to be able to find the things where you say, well, that was a bad move. That yeah. was a bad draft pick. Yeah. Uh, that was a bad trade. All these different things. Yes. And and if, if you love Dan Morgan and you're super optimistic, or if you just have no belief in what he might be able to do at all, there's just really no way to attribute any one of these decisions right, to Nobody's him. Nobody's so, right until they're right. right. So it's right. like, no matter what your opinion, we're all kind of left grasping at straws until we get something that we can directly connect him to. And that's that's why when I look at it, because I agree with that 100%, there is no way to go in and do individual blame or individual credit for any of the moves. So right. the way that I look at it and what I would ask is the same question that I just posed. What is the one move? And, I, and I'll, I'll phrase it like this. I will give Dan Morgan all of the credit. If we can come up with the one sure thing home run wildly impactful and beneficial to this franchise and i'm not talking about just like somebody coming in and having a good statistical year stefan gilmore had a nice year and then we let him walk that didn't benefit the franchise at all to have him in there on a losing season and have a nice statistical year you know what i mean what is mm-hmm. the one move and uh, somebody i i'm a big bryce young fan so maybe you point to bryce young but the jury is very out on that so you can't point to that and say what a right, nice smart right. move there's just not a move that was made in that entire tenure. And three years is a long time, man. You should have some sort of thing to hang your hat on. You know what I mean? CK, go ahead. I know you want to get in there, and I want to come back to that timeline because I just don't agree with – I mean, I agree with the timeline and the dates. I'm not saying it's factually incorrect, but I got some things to say about it. Go ahead, CK. Well, my my 
Cody had his uh, metaphor or his his analogy rather, and that is, mm-hmm. you know, people weren't upset with the Brian, Brandon Bean and all that stuff. I feel like the hiring of Dan Morgan is the equivalent of hiring Deuce Staley as our head coach. Um, and the argument might be that's dumb. You know, Deuce Staley didn't. You know, we don't know what he did. Well, he wasn't calling plays. He was the assistant head coach, mm-hmm. right? He also came from Detroit where they were the number one offense. So if you want to point to his past successes and say, well, we're still not going to hire him as a head coach, right? Because, and you can't, you know, the argument of for hiring him at that, I don't think you could really logically make an argument saying we're going to hire him as the head coach. Cause we don't know what type of an impact he ever had on this offense. Right. Uh, and, and if he had any input and here's my, what I said at the beginning of the show, Ricky, and I don't know if you would agree with this, the idea that you take all the blame or the majority of the blame off of Dan Morgan for yeah. this past year is almost more insulting to him as a tenure, as a his assistant GM right. than the alternative of him being guilty by association. Right. Agreed. So the idea of relegating the past three years of his ten or two years, really of his tenure yeah. here with the Carolina Panthers to, he was just there as a yes man. Yep. doesn't really give me a lot of hope that he is the answer moving the forward answer. right 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 why would and, why would you, yeah go ahead i'm sorry man i didn't mean no that. no so so yeah i mean it, it, that's i'm in agreement with you on that front and i think mm-hmm. you and i we all have the same mindset we want this to work he's the gm now like yeah. literally I, what i'm not going to do which many people are going to do and they always do when whether they were bryce young haters or lovers whatever it is they're going to always wait for that one thing to go wrong and then they're going to say ha Told you so, right? Yeah. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. That's not my right. position. I want this to work. If you're a Panthers fan, you you want this to work. If you're a true right. Panthers fan, you want Bryce Young to work, right? So Absolutely. if that if, if, if that's not the position I'm taking here, I'm moving forward and I'm optimistic. But if you're being honest about it, the people who have concerns have a valid concern, and to say otherwise is just being blind to all those statements that I just made. Yeah. And it's and it's and it's being over trusting of the ownership that's putting these guys in this position too. Because again, when I talk about that messaging at the beginning, and you made some really good points there, man. Because I I think that 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 mentality of like waiting for something to go wrong so that you can blame it on somebody is so counterintuitive to this whole we're bringing in a new look. Even if it's the same person, you're restructuring and doing things differently. We should have a there's a clean slate right now. For, for right now, I'm talking about like just for today, right? Until Dan Morgan makes a single move as an active GM, it is a pro, like profoundly clean slate. There is nothing at his doorstep today. Once he starts making moves, we can start building a resume to judge on. Now, that doesn't mean that you make instant knee-jerk reactions. That means that as you start to compile this list of things that have transpired under his guise, you can come back and look at that at the end of a season or during a season and say, okay, this was a pretty smart move in hindsight, or this actually worked out. This didn't work out. Maybe he'll learn from that. Maybe he could do something different next time. But like putting the blame on somebody for something immediately, it, it's, it's a really good formula for looking foolish when, when it changes because football is a game that takes time, right? Like you're talking about development of chemistry amongst people. You're talking about putting pieces together and having an aligned vision. That's, what, that's a hot button word that we talk about a lot right now is an aligned vision, right? Alignment. That has to happen with everybody involved. So when you try to 
piece that out onto one person or one group, you're just going to end up having this like divide that is unnecessary, man. Like right. the best teams from an organizational standpoint and on the field are absolutely in it together. And everybody is, has the same idea of what they're out there to do. We didn't have that in Carolina this year, for my opinion. I don't think that anything we did was with a, a, a well thought out articulated plan. Yeah. It almost felt like we found all of these coaches that had great resumes threw them all together, took all these five-star ingredients and hoped that it made a great meal without having a recipe to be able to cook from. And <laughs> that's why I'm a little bit hopeful about Dan Morgan because the fact that he comes from a talent evaluation background, I, I believe that Fitterer, like was more of a consensus builder. Like He wanted mm -hmm. to make sure that everybody was on the same page where I think Dan Morgan, coming from that type of background, he might be more apt to put his foot down on a certain player in certain scenarios if he feels like him and his scouts see something in a certain player or a certain free agent, I feel like he might, to to use a crass term, might have a little more balls than sure. Scott Federer did. Sure. And, and, and to go back a little bit to CK and tie it into what you're talking about right now, putting your foot down on an individual player, there's the viral clip going around right now from Camp Confidential with the DJ Johnson selection, right? Yeah. And, and the reaction is so interesting to me from fans right now because a lot of them are saying – Man, look at Morgan. Like, he was disgusted. He hated that pick. You could just tell how vehemently against it he yeah. was. He was very tepidly agreeing. And at the end yeah. of the clip, though, he goes, it's a good player. Let's go. Like, so So to CK's point, is he better off agreeing and being complacent and, and, and just kind of, like, going with the flow so that he can stay in the mix? Or should he have right then? If he's this aggressive guy, like the the picture that the Panthers posted of Dan Morgan in his uniform and helmet and talking about he's going to approach this front office job with the same aggression. That Looking he like he had just player. snorted some meth yeah, or something. Yeah, man. Yeah, he just did a little bit of a toot, right? But he's <laughs> there and, he's, and, and they're saying he's going to approach this with the same aggression. Couldn't he have approached that situation with the same aggression then? I because hear you, if, though, man. If we're, if we're, I, if I if we're judging you. somebody, man, you got to judge off of what they did and didn't right. do. But it's also, and then Tony is trying to go, but to me, it's also like, those are his bosses. Like, those are his higher-ups directly next to him, you know? And who's if his, he's who's talking his boss about, now, though? He's, he's going to have to answer that. Right, but that, that, that's why I'm hopeful. I'm saying, if you have David Tepper and Scott Fitterer next to you saying, hey, this is the guy, right? This is the guy that we all like. You're in the moment of the draft. Everyone's saying yes. Maybe you don't want to be the guy saying no in that very moment. That's not, that a, good, is, that's no. not a good feeling, though, man. The, the point that Ricky's trying I, I to make here is you can only judge him by the matter of his, like the the, right. the actual work that was put out in front, right? Otherwise, and, it's and, and legitimately, well, I Cody, talk nobody, about that, nobody can point to anything he's done this past two to three years and say he made a difference or he was involved or he wasn't involved. The only thing you can point to is, Scott Fitterer saying that they have a collaboration. Everything they do is a collaboration. Uh, and, and if if that is in fact the case, then uh, again, there's there's guilty by association, right? Yeah. There's 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 blood on his hands. Doesn't mean I want it to not work. But again, I just want right. to make that abundantly clear. I am rooting for him to be the guy. Absolutely. But to 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 ignore these things and and and, and those statements, right, Cody? And and I get why you want you want to be optimistic too. And I know you've liked Dan Morgan for a while. But that mm -hmm. statement of, you know, you you wouldn't speak up. And like, those are all hope. That's hope. That's not actually like anything that you can point to. And we can point to factual things that have been stated 
and things that we see on video that show that he was complacent. And yeah, one, I think one, we could all look to any move, any moment and find mm -hmm. and try to find some direct correlation and association to success and failure. To me, it's far more complicated of a, of the failures in Carolina. I don't think can be contributed to Scott Fitter or to a uh, single player to the roster. I mean, it was a calamity of errors. It was yeah. a catastrophe in so many ways. And and honestly, and frankly, it shouldn't have been that bad. It never right. should have gotten that bad. And here is a, I want to push, not push back. Uh, that's not the right word because it's not really the timeline thing. Yeah. Right. Is that ultimately, I think this is that we saw that Matt rule had a lot of control over this team while he was here. Right. And uh, in the direction and the moves. And then you had David Tepper working in the and getting him putting his two cents in. And we saw all that through the chase of the quarterback. The quarterback chase is not like we're like, oh, Scott Fitter came in here and just said, we got to go get Deshaun Watson. We got to get Matt Stafford. We yeah. got he was told what to do. If anything, Scott Fitter was a decent GM for what he was asked to do. He was told to go do these things by Matt Rule and David Tepper, and he actually went and tried to make some of it happen. For mm -hmm. me, though, is the first year of Matt uh, of Scott Fitter's tenure. Uh, I won't say doesn't count, but like he was a guy that was running the errands for the people. Right. Sure. He was doing their bidding the second year as things started to fall apart with Matt rule. I almost see it like a seesaw, right? As like the seesaw was all to Matt rule and David Tepper. And then as things started to go worse and worse and worse, it slowly get it here. And, t and then all of a sudden we're associating more and more with fitter. And at the same time, we really only have one off season and one draft that we could damn Scott fitter completely for, mm -hmm. So I don't know if like even on that timeline, I don't know if it's really like a full three years. Four years. Sure. And then if you give and then you're talking about Dan Mar Morgan, who's not even the main dude. Now, the problem is, is his finger. He was up there a lot on the mic. He was up there with with these yeah. over the past year. How, what is the most damning thing that has happened? Right. Because I understand really what, what you have said or what everybody I think is pointing to is just the lack of success. Sure. The lack of success. I have a bizarre argument that, I mean, really outside of just the draft. And I, and I know that sounds stupid, just the draft, right? Because it's so important, but the Panthers didn't hit on two drafts ago. Can't count yeah. that on them. It, it was this past draft. And we're all going to look at that one, that DJ Johnson pick. They did manufacture a trade to get up to number one aggressive, whether or yeah. not it worked out and it was right at the time. But what do you think the most damning thing of the Scott Fitter tenure what that we should be like, hey, that's a bad that's a bad knock with Dan Morgan. Yeah, it's it's Brian Burns. And everybody answered that. What's the most damning thing that's happened? Oh, I want to hear this one. You said Brian Burns. Why for so? me, for me, it's the handling of Brian Burns. And that doesn't mean keeping him. It doesn't mean that we should have traded him. It doesn't mean any of that. It means not understanding and identifying the situation that became, that it that was created. The minute that you were offered those two first-round picks for him, you had to come up with a plan on what you were going to do with Brian Burns, and you had to execute it. They have been sitting here in this purgatory, essentially, of we got this player. We think he's really good. We don't know what his value is. 
The problem is the Los Angeles Rams told you what his value was right then in that moment. When they offered you two first round picks, if you did not see the same in Brian Burns, that he would have that same value for you and that you're willing to pay the monetary equivalent of that, you got to get the two first round picks. You're sitting on your hands and not knowing what you're doing. Then they go into it and they still don't give him an extension. Brian tries to do all of the right things by every account that I can find by any kind of local Except reporting. Except for being awesome. Well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm talking about like in the offseason. I'm talking sure, about the offseason sure. program, the workout, being there without the contract extension, saying I don't have any intention on being a distraction. I don't want to talk about the contract. I'm here because I think there's a bigger thing going on with building this team. Everybody had that juice from the new you know, coaching staff, getting Bryce Young that trade up. There was there was vigor in the in the team at that moment, man. Like that's why the fan base was so riled up and excited, right? It was it was literally flowing through players and fans. Then it just kind of like once again stalled out, and it's like, so what are we doing here? Can can anybody tell me what the plan is? And Scott Fitterer didn't seem to have a plan. Uh, I don't know what Brian Burns and his agent were talking about. I'm not taking it and saying that it's all on. Scott sure, sure. No, just this it's is the most handling. damning moment. I, it's I, that what? handling because they could have gotten picks. They could have kept DJ Moore. The ramifications from that, you could have kept DJ Moore. You could have traded a Los Angeles Ram first round pick. So you still would have had a Carolina Panthers first round pick, right? You still would have had that coming up in this year. There was avenues to reach the same destinations that we fell on without giving up so many assets. We could have had one person. Brian Burns could have been included in that in the in the Bears trade up to one, right? Could have used the picks. There was all kinds of things. And now we're still in a situation. We're going to have to decide what to do to him. And we will not get the return that we could have gotten at that point. He's going to cost more than it would have cost to sign him at that point. Or not you're going to let him walk last year. It won't. Now you could sign him for less than he would signs, have. It. If he yeah, signs. Otherwise, you have, to, you probably gonna have to do a franchise. So I, I kind of want to give you my sort of rebuttal to that, right? And again, uh-huh. we're all grasping at straws because we don't know who's connected to what decision. But sure. when you're talking about that Brian Burns, uh, that, you know, I mean, everything that you said was true. The whole Brian Burns situation was fumbled from jump. But mm-hmm. this is where I theorize that we've already seen some, um, some updates in regards to that. And what I think is more than likely Dan Morgan's first real move as the general manager of the Carolina Panthers, and that is moving on from Samir Suleiman. Now, again, I don't know if these, uh, I mean, I've heard rumors that in the past, Samir Suleiman, when he's been with other organizations, has been very hesitant to come off of contracts, especially big record-breaking contracts for certain players. I've always long kind of theorized that maybe Samir Suleiman might have had more to do with that than we were ever sort of led on to. And sure. if that is indeed the case, I think Dan Morgan and the Panthers moving on from him is almost like a sign of, okay, whatever the building blocks that were in the way to start, we're going to start to move those out yeah. of the way so we can move in a different direction. And Absolutely. also, and to just to add uh, fully to this conversation, it's also still rumored that we're going to be bringing in um, uh, my man Tillis yeah. In some sort of capacity, that's a huge organization. Yeah, I mean, yeah, man, dude, he's got the head for he's got the head for the job, man. Uh, the so Panthers, the that, Panthers are building like right. an all head roster right now, right in the front. <laughs> office. I mean, you got Dan Morgan that's got like an all time cranium, and now you got Brant Tillis that 
I mean, this is this is impressive, man. You talk about a brain trust. They they got the brains. Have yeah. you ever has anybody ever seen So I Married an Axe Murder? No, I have not seen oh, it. Well, man, I, you know, oh, I have my. seen it. It's been a really long time. Uh, it's when Mike Myers is uh he's yeah. a Scottish grandma. He goes, Hint! And he's making fun of his grandson for having a giant <laughs> noggin. He's like, he's yeah. he's like, go fall asleep on your giant pillow and cry yourself to sleep. <laughs> um I think that and let's talk about where we'll bring that Suleiman up. CK, you got a da- most damning move. Um, I, mean, I, I think the Brian Burns move. trade. I mean, how can you not? That's just like one of those things. But then all the people that love freaking Brian Burns, so many people kept telling me he was elite, 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 elite. And then he didn't prove it. CK, what's your most damning? Um, The contract that Adam Thielen got. Mm. You know, I kind I of feel like that's a Frank Reich. I mean, that I hate was to say the that. most. It's like, I'm trying to make something different other than Brian Burns. <laughs> okay, I know. I, I hear you. I kind of have a bizarre take. Is that and I know it's hard to take to take this seriously. Is that when they said the roster was better? Yeah. At every position, yeah. I don't think they were really that wrong though and i mean i think about this is like yes you're going to point to the loss of dj Moore, right and you're going to talk to talk about a downgrade in the wide receiver group uh but you could also point to hey i mean is anybody going to say all the bryce lovers out there you got to say that's an upgrade over sam darnold even though it's a rookie uh you brought in von bell you got xavier woods we all thought DJ Chark was going to be better than two catches every five games. Um, I don't know if the roster necessarily got worse, though. Yeah. And even though the team got fucking terribly worse, you yeah. know, so I don't know if I want to damn them completely for that statement. But right. going back to my original point when it comes to Dan Morgan and uh, and how we attach either success or failure to any of these people, you said it's results. And that's the damn truth about any of it. But so many people, um, we associate their success because they were with a successful organization. Man, we did it sure. for Scott Fitter. We did yep. it for uh, the thing that how many people – told us that Samir Suleiman was a freaking genius who knew nothing, nothing about him. And I'm not trying to say that they didn't know anything like they're idiots. It's just, we just said, Oh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Genius. There's, genius. There's no, inside, there's no inside detail perspective of the guy, right? You can go right. off of the results. Just had a cool do. name. He just yeah. had a cool <laughs> fucking name. And he, came, and he came from a really good longstanding mm-hmm. uh, franchise, right? That had a history of doing things in a successful manner like they have sustained success they were always in the playoffs that's what you talk about with mike tomlin he sat there and he's took he's taken mason rudolph and kenny pickett and he's gotten them on the brink of you know playoffs right it's, it's yeah. just what you think of you think of sustained success and that's why we want people from the chiefs we want people from the 49ers we want people from the ravens from the front office because these organizations are constantly in the mix at the end of the year for being good my other question to you guys is we've talked a lot about the, and we knew we got to move on to the coaching stuff. So this is the yeah. last question we'll talk about with the GM thing. Um, a lot has been made of the title football operations, mm-hmm. the restructuring of the front office. How truly different though 
is it? And what I mean by that is like you talked about, we talked about having the different too many cooks in the kitchen. We could clearly see that from the coaching standpoint, it seems like it's just a diversity of thoughts and perspectives. You had people texting the owner in the background, Mm -hmm. but like what? Isn't that what Samir Suleiman is do was doing? What we're gonna ask the Brant guy to do, and isn't that kind of what Scott Fitterer was doing? Like, what is the true? And yeah. there's not like a guy above Dan Morgan who's a mm-hmm. principal buffer, like we used to have. Who was that president we had? CK from Tim, John Morrison or something like that. Oh, not Jim Morrison, not the singer. There was Tommy Morrison, I think something Morrison. We used to have a president of football but whatever and he was like instrumental it was just like the the go-to between whoever i can't i'm I'm, all the names are escaping me but my point is what is this restructuring just titles i mean like how much of a true so difference is it that's the really interesting point. And we do currently have a president. That's Christy Coleman. Um, she is technically going to be, I, I don't know how the hierarchy will be with that, but we do currently have a president. Um, but that's the really interesting thing about the sportsology group for me is that what they do. And there's a couple of articles that I've, I've read that, that really like gave me the insight on them because I didn't, man, look, I don't know anything about this firm, right? Like yeah. I'm not a franchise. I didn't have any business to look up what they did prior to knowing they even existed. Um, but you look into them because you, because at that point, man, if, you, if we're going to sit here and have these conversations, especially as fans and like content creators that want to be able to talk about it, I don't want to be completely thoughtless and informationless, right? Right. Um, totally. So when you look at it, go to their website. That, <laughs> yeah, right. There's a couple of things that really stood out to me. And one of the broad ways that they describe what they do is they, is they systematize their cultures and restructure their organizations with a large focus on the core processes. And it helps them find a correct fitting structure for roles and people. So what they come in and they'll do is they will do an audit on the entire organization. They will come in and tell you what you do and what you don't need that you already have in place. They'll tell you where you have like wasted movement, wasted efforts, right? And so when you look at the Dan Morgan and Scott Fitterer relationship, a general manager and assistant general manager, there is no like definition in those roles. There is nothing that tells you what they're responsible for because the GM title in itself is very broad. He's, he's responsible for contracts, responsible everything, man. Like he's from hiring the doctors to the, the, yeah, yeah, it's the first word in there, right? General manager. It's like, when you have a doctor, a general practitioner, they do everything for you. They're your go-to. Now, when you give him that president of football operations and you say he has delegated the personnel department, at least you have an idea that when something is done, you know which avenues that probably went through to get the final approval. You don't know it necessarily. Now, Dan Morgan should have final approval on all football things. Like when they hire this new head coach, Dan Morgan should be the one that that announces that hiring. I that hope should be so. From Dan Morgan, yeah. if, if we're serious about not having Tepper involved in some of these things, yeah. and that's the whole point, then you, then you don't have him involved. I've been period. saying this for years. You get a GM – the GM picks the head coach. Yeah. And if I'm David Tepper, I say this is you've got three years or whatever the timeline you have, yeah. but you live and die together. 
Yes. That, that's your coach. There is. I don't want to hear none of this shit about, oh, if I would have had my coach, we would have done better. I don't want to hear the coach saying, oh, he was in my way with the personnel shit. You guys are in it together. You live yes. and you die together. You sink or you swim together. And yes. That's and why, well, that's, but why that's, why why, crave, that's why I crave so much for that completely clean start and fresh right. start and sweeping house. And that's, and I know that would suck for Dan Morgan and for the people that like Dan Morgan, and maybe he would go on and be very successful and we would kick ourselves in the ass later for that. But that was the risk that I was more willing to take than the risk of continuing down the same trajectory and having this situation where you bring in a young coach. Let's say we bring in a first time head coach, right? How could he possibly be on the same timeline as Dan Morgan? This is a guy who was taking well, a I- position at the very first time in his career and a guy right. who was in the front office at the same organization for Tony, well, for your sake. You say the, that about oh. any, any GM that hires a first year coach, right? I mean, no, some, not just a, not a, the but, already been in. Yeah. Right. And they're not on the same to timeline. Me, you don't know. To me, one of the things that really needs to be said with this is the amount of connections that Dan Morgan has built up throughout his years with the Seahawks, with the Buffalo bills, and look, I mean, we're already talking about it, so let's just jump into more of the news, into more of our show, Tony. It's pretty much being reported and looking as though Dave Canales is the leader in the clubhouse to be the next head coach of the Carolina Panthers. We know he's going to get another in-person visit. Uh, this will be his second time interviewing with the Carolina Panthers, and we do know that Dan Morgan and Canales have that history with one another. I think that's the only reason that this, I think a lot of the news floating around is, you know, kind of popped off on some accounts, you know, that people have said, oh, that's a fake account. I get it. We got all this. Is that even not Chris Tabor, who is a Panther fan, is talking about this is, but I think it comes back to the idea is that the Panthers aren't in the leaders, the clubhouse leaders for Ben Johnson. So you kind of, you know, see his not going down, and then you think of the association with Dan Morgan and the Seahawks. Sure, and and we sort of already knew that, though. Like, we we sort of knew that we weren't going to be the bell of the ball. You have the Chargers out there. You have the Commanders out there. And, again, all these are just rumors, but it looks like the Commanders are probably going to be the one to win the Ben Johnson sweepstakes. I've been a fan of Bobby Slowick for a long time. But, look, the more that I look into – Canales as a coach, dude, the more I like him, like the more I listen to him, the more I learn what he's been in charge of doing as a passing game coordinator and as an offensive coordinator. I mean, flat out, it is impressive to me. And, and if if someone like Dan Morgan is able to bring him in the building just based off of his prior connections with him, I don't think that's a bad thing. And listening to him more and more, I can even play some um, some clips uh, from him in a second. I'm really starting to like Dave Canales the more I hear from him uh, to the point where it's like Ben Slowick uh, is probably still my number one. Ben Slowick and Dan Canales are probably my number one and number two right now. Not only are they my personal choices, but they seem the most like to actually be in the running for that job. So... I, you know, I think if we do end up signing Canales and he does end up being successful, you have to credit Dan Morgan and the connections that he has made with other organizations and the people that do think very highly of him. Yeah. Ricky, your thoughts on Canales? Uh, this was on his Twitter. Can you, let me see this right here. Put this the show back. The 
I yeah, switched yeah, yeah. it to the slide. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Dave Canales liked a tweet by Peter Schrager. Uh, now we could lead into, I mean, I'm sure he liked this because it said leaders and communicators. That's why you hear people like him. Like, so that's just a compliment. But then at the bottom, it says Canales spent time with Dan Morgan in Seattle. Right. So we're looking for anything. We're looking for yeah. anything. Your thoughts on the coaching search going forward and Canales and all in general. I don't I don't have a problem with Dave Canales, man. I mean, I think that he's a a really good offensive coordinator in his first year doing the job. I think that he has an impressive track record working with Russell Wilson and Geno Smith. Um, I think that he got the best out of those players. He was also solely focused on those players and and trying to get the best out of them. And, I, and when I say solely focused, I don't mean that's his only responsibility, but clearly when you're the pass game coordinator, your focus is on quarterbacks and getting the most out of that element of the football game. Um, but he's, a, he's his first year in a coordinator, right? He's a first offensive coordinator. And I just think that when you look at young offensive coordinators that were becoming in for their first head coaching gig, there's still a tier for me that he is below. And it's because I really like Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson went back to Detroit, improved it again this year, and improved on what he did, I thought. Um, I think that Ben Johnson has a more fundamental understanding of the run game or fundamental um, emphasis on the run game and the blocking schemes being what opens it up for him. I saw the clip of Dave Canales talking a lot today about, you know, hey, I don't care if we get four or five yards or if we get big chunk plays. Thomas Brown said the same thing in, in an athletic article or Jordan Rodriguez paraphrased how Thomas Brown's philosophy is the same way about, I don't care if it takes me one play to kill you or 10 or 12. My objective is to kill your defense. That's the same thing that you're going to hear from a lot of these guys, because that's the philosophical point of offense, right? right? Like a smart person is going to just take what they can get until they get to the end zone. That's the right way of doing it. He did Um, try to emphasize that he wasn't schematically bound though. Yeah. I have some, uh, I have some uh, some some clips and some things I want to read that I think will be uh, kind of illuminating into who uh, Dan, uh, Dave Canales is. Uh, so he's talked about some of these some of these things before. Uh, he was quoted as saying, "So pass protection gets pretty hard, you know, especially with the athletes they face on a weekly basis. We're going to have to throw the ball at some point, but when you run the ball effectively, your play actions are friendly. So the defensive lines." have to uh, play the run first, then to have a secondary rush to the quarterback. And it's usually about 3.2 to 3.5 seconds later that they're actually going to get any type of effective runs off the actions if you run the ball effectively. And then just minimizing the amount of drop back pass, pocket passing, whether it's quick game or empty, or even like longer drops, just minimizing the amount of time under uh, tension for your tackles or your guards it just makes it a friendlier system to play in. And I feel like yeah. when we were talking to Crumpler earlier, this is sort of what he was talking about when he was referring to Slowick. And, uh, and, and yeah, and, and having a streamlined playbook and having a basic principle of getting the ball out of your hands, uh, making sure that your tackles aren't having to sit in pass protection for four and five seconds at a time. I think that's or a really pro good... style offense in the pros. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. A pro style offense yeah. in the pros is that ultimately right. is that just is a lot. That sounds like mm-hmm. just being under center, Yeah, you know, it sure. is a big deal. And we'll play this one clip and then we'll. Yeah. So this is, um, uh, this is a uh, Peter Schrager posted this. Uh, this is a clip that's been making the rounds 
Um, and it's very illuminating. And by the way, just like that Dave Gettleman syndrome, where I told you I love to hear Dave Gettleman talk, this is another guy that the more I listen to him, the more I'm like, yeah, I think I would enjoy and look forward listening. Why did everybody have a problem with this T-shirt today? I have no idea. Everybody was making fun of his small T-shirt. I think he's just fit. Oh, that's dude, my, my man's uh, hey, my, his, my man his is brother a is a personal trait, like a health nut. Oh, uh, dude, does that surprise you? As that rock jawline man, the dude's in shape. <laughs> Let's listen to him, man. How, how that yeah. I, I, I never really go into a game saying we're going to pound the rock or saying, hey, we're going to spread it out and rip them. I try to go into the game and say, what are they giving us today? And then, you know, this was going back to Pete, you know, the way that he trained me, he was like, you know, we were always known as a running team, you know, playing good defense and a running team. But for him, he was never telling our coordinators like, hey, you got established a run. That was never his message. He was like, I don't care about that. Score points, you know, take what they're giving you. And the guys that I respect around the league, you know, I don't want to start rattling names because I'll miss somebody. But the guys that I watch and that I respect around the league, that's what they do. You know, and if it's a day where we're moving them up front. The backs aren't getting tackled and we're getting sixes and sevens early. Man, it's going to be a good running day, you know, and if it's a day where, you know, their defense is a little bit off in their coverages and guys are getting open, the quarterback's in rhythm, our protection looks great, man, we can go attack them in the pass game and get yards and points. So I try to approach it that way. Um, but I'm glad the guys were fired up about trying to get after them in the run game. Um, that's the that's the attitude we want. And so this is refreshing. And sorry, I'll let you go, but this is refreshing considering that all year there was this narrative that the Panthers were built more to run the football. And yet, and yet Frank Reich was sort of forcing this pass happy offense. I mean, if anything, that should be, uh, it should give you a little hope saying, hey, this guy knows how to build to the strength of your personnel. That's a fraudulent argument. I still say that is this team wasn't really built for anything. So they say that they were built for something just because they ran the ball with Dante Foreman last year. Well, you know what is when we tried to run it up the middle a lot and keep people honest early in the season, everybody talked about how terrible it was and we should just be passing more and stuff. So it's just an argument of convenience. The thing I would say here, Ricky, I want to get your take on this is because I saw somebody and I fail to credit them because I can't remember who it was, but they said, I talked to somebody, a source in the Lions. They said they got a guy in the Lions organization who said that they don't feel Canales is ready yet, particularly their concern with his run schemes and things like this. Now, I am not an X and O's guy, and I will say this, is I didn't watch the Bucks, but maybe four times this year outside the, you know, so... But the Bucs haven't been a good running team in like six years. Yeah. Right. So it's not like all this. It's not like, and to be honest, they started to excel, I think, in the run game late in the season, more so than they had anticipated. Early in the season, it was Baker just throw it. Baker came out and said, it's clear we're a passing team first. So is this schematic or is this people talk? How much truth is to that, that the, that the inability of the Bucks or the struggles at, at times to run the ball are schematic. Yeah, look, they're the 32nd ranked 
rushing offense in the NFL well, this year. I guess that has something. That's a good right. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, schematically, and, and, that doesn't help. And and they what they do schematically because I saw a conversation that was going on, and it's about the um, motion and shifts that they use in Tampa Bay, and that was a big problem with Dave Canales because he doesn't use them, and that's a it's a realistic concern. Um, and it plays into the whole run aspect of this. But the answer to that was that, and, and it was actually Jared Feinberg, um, who's a, a colleague of mine over at Cat Crave, and he was talking to somebody that writes for the Bucks um, uh, blog for Fan Sided, and he was saying that what Canales did is he identified that Baker was having a little bit of a harder time with the pre-snap diagnosing when there was the shifts in the motions. So he simplified that for him, and he got rid of that, and Baker played a little bit better. Um, so there was an emphasis on the quarterback there with that, right? But what it does is it limits your offense when you take that element out. You're you're benefiting your quarterback, but you're limiting some of the things you're doing on offense. What I would look for a little bit more, and this goes back to the schematic point, and, and what you talk about with the similarities and the principles of what um, John Crumpler had just told us about, right, with Bobby Slowick, and, and it's focusing on those protections, and it's focusing on getting the quick passing game going and the runs being the the engine that drives everything. That's the same thing with Ben Johnson, dude. You're going to find that same core principle and philosophy with a lot of these highly successful offenses. It's the same thing that McVay does in LA. It's the same thing that LaFleur does in, in green Bay. They it's want the to same run thing the ball they do first. in Miami, even though they're speakers. Right. They're just a different version of it, right? They're the yeah. Miami version yeah. of that. They don't have yeah. the physicality. They don't bring their wide receivers in line to block. That's it's a difference in little nuances, but the goal and the core principles of these offenses are very similar in thought. And it's that they want to run the ball first. I thought that's what we were getting with the offense here in Carolina with Thomas Brown and Frank Reich, to be completely honest. When they got away from being under center is when they got themselves in trouble. Being under center is just way too beneficial not to be able to do it. And they tried to sell that Bryce Young couldn't do that. We know that that's not true because we've seen Bryce play under center and he played very well. Actually, his numbers under center are better than in his drop or his you know deep shotgun on empty sets. Go figure. It's a little bit harder to identify what an offense is attempting to do when you're not telling them blatantly what they're going to do. Yeah, it's <laughs> hard to run out of shotgun. Yeah, it's right. harder to run out of don't have a running back really with you. Hard. I mean, if and you're, Greg if you're Olson empty, said this the other day, too. He went on a long tirade on Twitter that said the most uh, successful young quarterbacks, they're all snapping the ball from under center. They're yeah. all depending on, on those on the play was. action passes. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So, and th- Stroud didn't do that, that a ton at Ohio help. State. Stroud didn't do it a ton at Ohio State. They run out of the shotgun most of the time at Ohio State and Ryan Day's Yeah, offense, college, you know? college, college, college. I think, too, we're also under – I mean, again, calamity of – I mean, a catastrophe of all errors mm-hmm. is that the problems in the interior offensive line from the yeah. jump, right? Move is yeah, but also lo- losing your starting left guard and then this yeah. continued circle of unproven, unknown, terrible That's players cool. – it felt you know, like we had just a new made trio, it even impossible. So. so it felt like I think the Carolina Panthers felt like, man, at this point after week three, they're like, we're not going to be able to do this. The hell with it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right, uh, Ricky, how much more time you got? I got some time, man. All right, uh, guys, Cody, uh, the number's two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. I think it's time to take some calls, man. Oh, shit. Let your oh, voice be heard. Phone up first. Yeah, man. Uh, listen, let your voice be heard. Call into the show at 252-228-5098. We want to hear from y'all. What do you feel about Dan Morgan 
being the new general manager of the Carolina Panthers. Are you pissed? Are you optimistic? We want to hear from you. Tony, let's jump into it. So what are your thoughts on catcalling? Yeah, it's pretty You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, Very uncomfortable. How do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It feels good. Like C3, greetings again from beautiful Idaho. What's up? Um, I hope everybody's doing well. I'm not going to be able to get on the podcast tonight, so I just wanted to call in. I'm sure you guys have already talked about it, uh, but all right. So we got uh, we got the exact same front office as last year, minus Scott Fitter. How comfortable are we feeling that uh, we're going to be 50% better, three wins, 100% better, four wins? Uh, and I, I got a bad feeling we just signed our eight for the next Ooh. two years at least now. Um, Damn. Hope is not a plan, and we're hoping that things change with the same people in the same seats, minus okay. one. I got a bad feeling, guys. Um, I don't know what we're going to do. We got $30 million in cap space. It's time Brian Burns. There are 23 of it. We got seven to sign our sixth draft pick. We got other teams with more draft picks in the top 100 than we have total draft picks. Oof. Dan Morgan. His, his Man, job is I hope that mofo graduated year. from Hogwarts and he can create some magic with this offseason because I don't see any other way other than burning it down, trading everything we can, and hoping like hell 2024's draft we can package three seconds for a couple uh, good picks, uh, package, I'm sorry, you know, a couple fourth rounds for a third, Couple third rounds for a second, couple second rounds, couple players. All right, keep pounding, guys. Keep uh, pounding, man. We've talked a lot about the, you know, whether or not this, what, how much. In fact, the name of the change is Carolina Panthers. The name of the show tonight is Carolina Panthers under new management. But has anything changed? How the hell do we only have? How? Why do we never have cap space? Uh, because we I was don't. Told this year we were gonna have cap space. No, because we don't. We don't get the right people in the building who actually know that the salary cap is fake. Uh, we need to bring totally in fake. the big, bring in the big heat, bring Put in the, the big brain. We dude. need um. All right, we need uh, someone from New Orleans. We need someone that knows the salary cap voodoo. Hi, Harley. Yeah, dude, let's hey bring that voodoo to Carolina. I am all for it, man. Listen, I, I say like halfway jokingly that the cap isn't real. It just seems to me like the best managers, they know how to do all the clever shit, man, to defer signing bonuses, to mm-hmm. uh, uh, do deferred years or whatever they were doing with Taysom Hill for a long time. It just seems like teams get away with this, uh, with loading up on mega contracts 
with mega players uh, far more than the Panthers are able to. Like I'm it's thinking all, like the all, 49ers. Yeah. It's all yeah. cap manipulation. They can front load stuff and they can give bonuses on that first year that'll take off a whole bunch of cap on that very first year and then they can defer it moving forward. Um, it, it's it's really, it's a skill. It's a talent. That's cap manipulation. It's the same way that when you look at people that have all their loopholes when they do their tax returns, right? It's that time of the year right now. There's going to be a lot of people that are sitting there with box shoe boxes full of receipts and shit that are like, hey, about to write off all those Applebee's trips right now, and I'm going to get this fat return. It's yeah, I mean, you can technically write them bigger. off without the receipts. It's just if you get sure audited, can. you got to have That's the right. receipt. But uh, nobody's topic. auditing me, so yeah, Applebee's is, uh, on me, fellas. Yeah, <laughs> and also where this is why Suleiman, man. Other than the cool name, what did he really do? Uh, let's go to White Chocolate Espresso, my bastard son. Yo, it's White Chocolate Espresso. Let me give you my thoughts on Dan Morgan. Um, I don't hate it. I don't love it. Um, people are freaking, freaking out way too much on this. Like, y'all don't Agreed, know man. what was involved. Y'all don't know who Dan Morgan liked in the draft or free agency-wise or what schemes or what coaches he wanted. Like, if we're being real, like, if Dan Morgan was a GM last season, he probably – Votes to keep Steve Wilkes. Like Dan Morgan, you know, linebacker. Steve Wilkes is a defensive dude. Like, who loves the blitz? Who was, um, uh, was he there when Dan? I don't, like I said, I'm not too worried about it at all. We don't know what goes into GMs. We don't know who they want, what their scheme, what they want to do here. That's pretty much all in the front house. If anything is anything like people say, oh, you're keeping this the guy from the worst. Like again, we don't know. He could have been the guy who's been saying, oh, don't do this, don't do that, and they did it anyway. But you know, it is true. Man. We I'm don't know. <laughs> for the guy, I'm here in the Tampa. Who sees going to be the new head coach? Most <laughs> likely, which you know, it is what it is. I like to see what their <laughs> plans are. Attacking frequency in the draft, but I'm here for it. I support Dan Morgan. That man was my childhood. When I was 13, led that defense. I hope he kills it as GM. Yeah, there Please. is this. Uh, there's it. Look, is we have gotten. I've compared a lot of uh, what's gone on in Carolina over the past year to the French Revolution. And we're just devouring our own children. Is no one safe when it's this bad? We're turning on each other. People, you got money rolling up at car places trying to fight other people. I mean, it <laughs> is that no one is safe. And, you know, they say don't meet your heroes, right? So, like, the sentimentality of something, you know, we've kind of played into that. Look, is Greg Olson and Thomas Davis lean hard on uh, Dave Gettleman back in the day with that sentimentality? In fact, that's what got Dave Gettleman ultimately fired was uh, them. You know, yeah, he, he the, didn't want to. He didn't want to extend Greg Olson yeah. and Thomas Davis. Yeah, and so look, is I think at this point is we're even, like even the sentiment doesn't help anymore right now it's like it's like oh well just because he was a player doesn't mean he's gonna be any good i think though here's something we haven't talked about is there and and, and I ultimately trying to find any silver lining or any yeah. 
hope or optimism. We talked about anything he could have done. We talked about the damning things. Is there any chance, though, that going to Dan Morgan is a signal that maybe David Tepperd isn't in a rash kind of you know, he's not acting too rashly. It's just like, well, fuck it, man. We're getting over it. You know, it's like maybe is this some sort of like, hey, crap didn't work well. We're going to need to make some significant changes. But that doesn't just necessarily mean I got to go find somebody I never met in my life. I think that's entirely possible. I mean, I, and, and, I like and, that and, mindset. Yeah, it's right. Because continuity is important, right? Like you want to have some sort of familiarity. And, and it's important to note that in the first 90 to 120 days, a GM's job is is incredibly important, right? I mean, you're talking about you're going like to have a president. Yeah, he's he's essentially <laughs> going to, right. He needs to come with that first 90-day plan, right? Like yeah, you got 100 days. Your first 100 That's days it. in office is when you really I make mean, some think head. think about it, man. He's going to be responsible for hiring our head coach going forward, right? Yeah. I and mean, that's a head coach that's going to be tethered to Bryce Young in the offense and the success that somebody couldn't get going last year. Then he's going to have free agency. And then he's got scouting that he's going to have to figure out what to do with that scouting department. I mean, I know that Cole Spencer was in on all of these processes. I don't know how you feel very good about that, though, man, with with the draft history that we've had, because that was our college scouting director before he became the personnel guy. Didn't so, they just change all that last year? The going yeah, they, they promoted him last year. He was the guy in the okay. college scouting prior to that. And they just did that at the beginning of the season. They changed it. Um, but, I mean, he's got a lot on his plate, man, for this first three, four-month stretch. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, the continuity helps with that because you're not starting from scratch and getting everyone familiar with the personalities and the, and the way that things are going inside the building. There is a benefit to it. I just don't know how much of a benefit there is to keeping somebody in a losing tenure and yeah. just for the sake of continuity because you don't want that continuity to transfer over. But, man, Dan Morgan could transcend that and and be his own person, and I hope that he is. We just didn't get to see much of that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just work. hoping that maybe it's a signal. Look, is look, David Tepper's never going to be out of the mix. You can't fire the owner. Nope. Uh, but I'm hoping that what we're seeing is this is the pendulum kind of settle in the middle. You go from Matt Rule, then you go completely to the opposite with Frank Reich. And maybe, and I'm just looking for anything. Let's see what Lou from Fort Myers has to say. It's showtime. Lou from fucking Fort Myers, bro. And no, y'all got the damn news. Woo, many doubted. Many did not have faith, but it's that man, the myth, the legend, Dan Morgan. Hmm. Bet none of y'all was expecting that. Playoffs. I'm sad the Texans lost. Um, Lamar Jackson is our only hope for non-Taylor Swift Super Bowl. Yeah, ain't that the truth? You know, I hope the Lions go all the way, but shit, anything could happen. It's really San Francisco. But, boy, oh boy, we got Dan Morgan. Now I'm hearing, I'm hearing, I, I, I follow Panthers Nation and all that shit. I'm seeing a lot more posts of Luke Keekly. And I don't know if Luke Keekly coming back. <laughs> yeah, Keekly coming back as like maybe a, a linebacker's coach or defensive coordinator or some shit. But if we get Luke back in the building, 
I think we said, because that right there, Luke right there was culture. Luke could create the whole culture by himself. But, God, Lee, how do y'all feel about Dan Morgan? And if we get Dan Morgan, who is he going to hire as coach? But, man, shout out Pickle, shout out JJ, shout out Anthony, shout out D, shout out C-Dog, shout out, uh, uh, I don't be here, G-Baby calling no more, but motherfucking hiding. <laughs> shout out everybody, shout out Tony Dunn, shout out Cody Lack. Shout out, PK, hey. and shout out my boy Greg, bro. Greg, I can't wait to see you back on the show, bro. Um, hey, Tony, the brand is strong, baby. The brand is strong. Yeah, man. thank Let's you. Um, how about this? Is because we've talked ad nauseum about, or not ad nauseum, we'll be talking about Dan Morgan all this for many weeks. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, how is, how have you guys seen the coaching conversation shift over the last couple of weeks? Right? Is because we really had. You know, oh man, the people want Ben Johnson. Look, uh, David Tepper has not been interested in some of these heavy hitter, interesting names. Right. Not kind of a variable. We haven't heard anything about him. I we had didn't a hear anything about. Um, help me out with uh, from Harbaugh, Michigan Harbaugh. Harbaugh, Harbaugh, yeah. Harbaugh, Harbaugh, Harbaugh. We haven't heard anything about Bill Belichick, right? But then even the next kind of ex- the excitement name is like Ricky Ben Johnson. We've seen that name, at least not. I think he got a virtual interview. Yeah, with the Panthers, yeah, but we haven't seen anything else resurface. And we know they're winning. Probably has something to do with that. Where do you guys think the headwinds have changed over the last couple of weeks? And do you think that the divisional rounds changed it? Like, so it seems like Canales's stock rose. Uh, while maybe slow, I won't say fell, but slowed, you know I mean? He was so, people were so excited. Is that just reactions? Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think overall those guys, uh, no matter what they, no matter how their season ended, both Bobby Slowick and uh, Dave Canales, I mean, just look at what they were able to do this year. That's impressive enough. Uh, Ben Johnson is the big name. But um, I, the question I wanted to ask you guys is now that you have somebody like Dan Morgan as GM who has been connected, you know, with great Panther teams of the past was, you know, he's on that Super Bowl team in 03. Um, the fact that he knows how when this locker room has been at its best, there has been a well-established culture involved with that. Do you think that maybe this might be more, of an opportunity now that we do have Dan to hire a defensive minded head coach. Like how, how much would Mike Vrabel be in consideration now? How much would, uh, uh for example, uh, a Nigero Rivero who is going to get his uh, second interview with the Carolina Panthers. We've heard that Raheem Morris is going to have a second interview with the Carolina Panthers, the DC for the Rams. If I'm say, wondering, not say the other one. Oh, who, Dan Quinn? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't do that. Hey, we have to report on it, man. Dan Quinn uh, reportedly is still in the running for the shop. But now that you game have game. now that you have Dan Morgan as GM, do you think that now that will cause us to delineate from that path of pair Bryce with the Great offensive-minded question. head coach for the foreseeable future? What's CK, that, your thoughts? I don't know. I, I think that you see a lot of uh, Greg Olson. Um, I think it was Greg, maybe some, I, I can't remember. There was a conversation maybe on Pat McAfee show at some point, might not have been Greg, 
uh, where they talk about the reason you're seeing these offensive-minded head coaches is exactly one of the reasons we talked about this past offseason, and that is if you hire a defensive-minded head coach but your team is super successful, uh, you're going to risk losing your offensive coordinator, and that's going to be difficult. The Texans, and if that happens, you know, C.J. Stroud will be fine. I don't think anybody's really worried about it, Um, but it's going to be hard for him. It doesn't help. Yeah, it doesn't help. Um, and, and they talk about what you're seeing at the Eagles right now, right? They've, they've, they've had three, four different people calling plays for that offense in the past two years. Um, and, and that's not going to be good for Jalen hurts. You know what I mean? So that's, that's my only concern with not hiring an offensive minded head coach is we also saw what the lack of consistency did to cam's career here as well. Um, so I, I, as much as I want to be hopeful, I also, uh, I think an offensive minded head coach is the way to go right now until, you know, otherwise stated. Ricky, you've pointed out over and over, well, not over and over. That makes it sound in a negative way. You've repeatedly mentioned that it's just kind of odd for a guy associated with a blah, blah, blah. I I forget the stat, but losing team over last 14 and 37, the Ajiro, like, would the outrage? What would the out? Would there be? What would the level of outrage be if Ajiro gets the job? Well, so Evero's only been here for the one year, right? And yeah. he took a defense that was decimated new, with injuries yeah. and was missing elite talent, right? I mean, it, there was just not a lot of. You got to look at it. It's Derek Brown, Brian Burns, and Frankie Lubu are essentially the only difference makers that you have. I, Xavier Woods had a really nice year. Um, but I don't think that Xavier Woods or even Von Bell, who I really liked a lot as a free agent addition, I don't think that they're he necessarily did less, like world beaters. He did more with less, and the offense did less with more. Yeah, exactly. I so I think that Evero did a really good job. I don't, and he was also a candidate for head coaching last year. We were very fortunate that he ended up being a defensive coordinator because nobody ended up hiring him in that cycle. And then the Broncos brought in Sean Payton, right? So like we were fortunate that that kind of fell into our lap, and that was one of those superstar all-star coaching hires that we had um but as far as hiring a defensive coach because of dan morgan look one of my favorite candidates is mike mcdonald he has been for a long time i've been on the mike mcdonald train since i don't know september october november saying that i think that he would be the guy that as far as young coordinators he's the one that has the makeup of a head coach he's the motivator he's the maniac he's the guy that understands adaptability and taking the pieces that you have on a roster and and turning them into the best version of themselves and formulating a scheme based around that personnel, which I think is a key cog of any coach that you want to hire. I don't care if it's offensive or defensive. If you can't build a staff with the like-minded thing of being adaptable to the people that are on your, on your roster, there's no business of having you as a head coach. That's what we ran into with Frank Reich. Frank Reich was very stubborn. And we were told at the beginning that he wasn't going to be stubborn. He was going to be open-minded and collaborative and all this kind of stuff. But uh, and, and it's not just the offensive side that you see that Mike McDonald took over for Wink Martindale in Baltimore. And Wink Martindale was the, one of the highly thought of defensive coordinators got, in the league. Did he just and he, get and let go? And he's about no, to leave the Giants yeah. again after a year. And it's because he was so stubborn in Baltimore and not being able to identify the problem and not willing to change that they said, hey, look, we got this guy in waiting down in Michigan. We sent him to go coach with my brother. I'll bring him right back up. I wanted to be defensive coordinator a year ago, but everyone told me he was too green. He went down there. He showed his chops. This year, he's got the by far the How best How long has he been in I've Baltimore? Seen. 
this will be his second year as coordinator in Baltimore. Second year. I'm yeah. a wild person. I like uh, Todd Monken. I like and Todd too. Yeah. I don't know if I'm necessarily like ready and comfortable just saying, hey, be a head coach. But I think right. you want to talk about adaptability. You That's talked him. about a guy that ran the ball, got Lamar throwing the ball the best he had, Absolutely. and then they come out in that uh, game against the Texans. We hadn't seen uh, Lamar run the ball all season, and then they're pulling that out in the hat. Yeah. Um, so, yes, that is – man, talk about this. Is it? And then you want to talk about coordinators leaving is if Monken leaves, mm-hmm. which I don't think he necessarily is ready. I haven't heard his name being really mm-hmm. fielded seriously. But imagine – then it's like you saw what putting a real good guy with Lamar did. Yep. Lamar did not have the year. What was it? Who's the guy? I kind of I always liked that the their former offensive coordinator, the guy that was with San Francisco. Yeah, Greg Roman. Yeah, I yeah. liked him, but yeah. he had his own like stubbornness uh-huh. kind of thing to him. So interesting yep. stuff. I don't necessarily see if there's a defensive coach out there. For me, I would not be upset if if uh, Raheem Morris got the job. I wouldn't go, he can't do it, because this guy was the, you want to talk about, he was a coach of the Bucks when he was yep. 32 years old. Yep. And they fired him quickly. It wasn't, yep. He wasn't awful while he was there, but, I mean, nope. they weren't good either. And um, I would, look, if you said Vrabel's going to come in, I wouldn't be mad. Well, and Say. so that's an interesting point, too, with Vrabel, though, right? Is that, and I don't know if you guys saw this this morning, there was that bet online, the guy for the Draft Network, Jamie Eisner, he always posts the updated odds for next head coaches, um, like, periodically, like, every yep. two days or whatever. And two days ago, he posted the Panthers' odds, and it was, you know, Vrabel was a 12-to-1 odds guy. Today, he was a 2-to-1. He was the favorite. Um, and, and, and there's a chance that maybe there was a, a mess up on that, on that board of putting those odds up. They took them down later in the day, but there's also an opportunity to look at that and say, Hey, did Dan Morgan get that promotion at GM and start kind of pounding the table a little bit and being like, Hey, look, if this is my name on the line now as GM, and I get to do this thing and start bringing yeah. in some of my people, there's a proven coach out there. There's a guy that I played against in the Super Bowl that led the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill to, to some good postseason games. And, and, and Rabel had a great these, Super Bowl game, he's too. He's got a lot of connections. Yeah. We talk about networking and being able to bring in a coaching staff. There's Both not a lot of people more well-respected than Mike Vrabel as far as these younger coaches that are a little bit proven, though. So Mike Vrabel, yeah. I think, could come in and absolutely be the Dan, – Dan played under John Fox. He wants that tough-minded mentality. He knows what got him playing as a player. And if they're going to tell us that Dan can harken back to his playing days to figure out how to do this job that he's in, maybe he does that here. And maybe he says, look, I like Dave Canales. That's my buddy. But Scott Fitterer was my best friend. He didn't work out. I don't necessarily need my friend. I need the person that I can see myself playing with or playing for because that's what's going to get this team in shape. And he's a proven culture builder. I mean, that that Tennessee Titans team, they have been a staple uh, of the playoffs for the past, he few never years. had a quarterback. Yeah, they've pretty much been running. You just gotta pray he doesn't try to bring Arthur Smith with him. That's the only thing yeah. I worry about. Yeah, I mean, Arthur Smith and his yeah. Out. yeah, there's mm. there's some truth to that. But but again, you make that great point though that if now Dan Morgan is saying, well, I've seen all the turnaround of this organization. If I'm the man now, well, then maybe it would behoove me to go out and get that guy that I really do believe will be. Uh, a real team culture builder, 
here for the Panthers. And again, bringing up that they were in the same Super Bowl, they were both linebackers. You know, this is why I asked the question because Dan has those player roots. I mm-hmm. wonder if that will cause him to look at some of these defensive players a, a little, uh, a little coaching, Yeah, and also yeah. I think uh, I, I do think there's some legitimate questions. Even we were talk we were talking to John Crump where we asked if if Slowick was ready. Yeah. Right. And he said, I can't really, you know, I'm not, you know, and I thought, I mean, it was, a, it's a fair, fair answer is like, how do we really yeah. know any of this? No, but way. I think the one thing he did point to was like, is you're like, you're wondering as a f- one year coordinator, how much can, you know, how much juice he's got in the league to call somebody up yeah. to say, Hey, I'm going to do this. And, you know, that was really the problem with Matt rule. Or one of the problems with Matt Rule is he didn't have any of those connections, and he had to just bring college guys with him, and, right. and maybe that's what he wanted to do. I wonder if is Vrabel would is I heard this is the guy that does the the calls that I can't remember the guy that does their play by play for the Titans call he he got an interview on this radio show I go on on Fridays. And he called at Vrabel in the middle of the sea early in the season a top five coach in the NFL. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. There was a there was a shift with ownership there that ownership wanted to go a different way. Vrabel was um I think he was pretty audibly displeased with the trading of AJ Brown in the draft last year. Um, I think that, that was something that was known throughout league circles. Probably Malik Willis, too. I don't know how happy he was about that moment. Yeah, there was just a lot of stuff that didn't seem to be like really meshing well in Tennessee. So they took the opportunity. They said, hey, look, we're going to make a change. We're going to do it now. And and that's it. And they they could have traded. That was a big conversation. Why didn't you try to trade him? You could have got something for a guy as revered as Mike Vrabel. But then they miss out on nobody's even really missed out. And yeah, then they miss out on the coaching cycle, too. Right. Because if you if you wait and you trade him to try to get draft picks before the draft everybody's already hired, right? They went out and they obviously had some sort of idea of what they were looking for. And they signed Brian Callahan. They hired him, you know, and that was a guy that was rumored to be one of our potential candidates as well. They like they're another example of, of the problems that come when you hire people out of order, they brought their GM in after Vrabel Yep. and Vrabel and the GM always tried to put on the public face that they were in lockstep. But clearly they weren't because this team has been making the playoffs all these years right. and you get this year and they're moving on. So can I ask one more? Can I bring up one other interesting thing sure. that I would point out about this too? Is that if the Dave Canales, Dan Morgan connection is why there's so much smoke about Dave Canales right now, Dan Morgan also would have the ability in that front office and talking to Tepper and everybody else to say, hey, pump the brakes one second on Dave. I think we can get Dave. Nobody else has interviewed Dave. Dave is only interviewed with us, and he's in the second round with us. I know he's interested. I know I can get him. I want to see what happens with Baltimore because that Mike McDonald kid reminds me a lot of the defensive coaches that I played for, but he's also the young coach that can stay here for a long time, that can bring new guys in with these new concepts and these new schemes that maybe some of these older coaches aren't so hell-bent on using. Maybe there is a relationship there that he wants to facilitate or wants to see what happens with. He has the ability right now, and he has Tepper's ear because he just got this promotion to say, let me do my thing. Let me just give, give me a chance. Let me see what happens here if you give me a little added time 
let me start maneuvering a little bit and see what I can do. And, and I wonder hey, if that's how he got the job. Maybe, maybe that's Dan Morgan's pitch because they interviewed a couple of people. They did. And the Panthers just didn't feel obviously comfortable of saying like, hey, we're going to give everything to this guy that we don't know much about. And he just gave us a pitch. I heard these pitches last year and we did that. And look what happened. And what's interesting is the Panthers didn't bring anybody else in from the evaluator and personnel side of of the GM candidates, really. That was pretty much all Dan Morgan. Like Alec Hallaby kind of has a little bit of crossover as his brain and Brown with. Yeah, that's the the guy we were thinking of. Yeah, but he's also got got some red flags with him when it came to the problems that were going on in Philly with. uh, Was it Peterson or like it's like a lot of name calling backstabbing in that organization, Uh too. Yep. So there's, it's just a lot of interesting dynamics, man. And I don't think that it's anything that any of us know, but the speculating is kind of fun. And if we're going to speculate, we might as well speculate a little bit like optimistically too, right? <laughs> totally. I'm so, uh, really not down on this Dan Morgan. I know that I'm not going to tell in blow smoke up any Panther fan ass and say, look, this guy's going to fix stuff. Don't worry. Trust in this. I just don't know if I feel like a lot of the negativity just tends to come with the the problems that have just come over the past five years. I think it goes back. It's just it's been so long since the Panthers just stunk and stunk. Mm-hmm. And like right now, anything that's associated with them has a stench. Yep. Yeah. So The yeah. last thing I'll say about the coaches to defensive, because you brought up Raheem Morris. I like him a lot. And the benefit to with Raheem. You're likely going to be able to retain Evero, right, as defensive coordinator there. So you're not going to ask. They work Raheem. together and they work together, right? And and I mean, Evero's under contract, so as long as there's no bad blood there, you could think that they could work that out. But then if Evero, who's already being interviewed for head coaching jobs, if he stays this year and then he gets hired as a head coach next year, that's that third round compensatory pick that we would be getting for that. He's got to be here two years for us to be eligible. Oh, really? You get that for coaches too. For, yeah, for for um, I think it's the diversity initiative that if you have a minority coach at a coordinator position and they've been there for two years and they get hired and a promotion, then you get a compensatory third round pick and you get that for other assistants as well, too. But I know that's the diversity program of it. Nice. All right. Let's go to the next call. What's up, guys? It's Chase from Anderson. So a Panther oh, fan walked into a bar. He sees David Tepper sitting there by himself at the bar. So the fan goes up to David Tepper and says, hey, Tepper, there's no way you can make this team worse, can you? Or more of a laughing stock of the NFL. David Tepper says, hold my beer. Let me call Let me call Dan Morgan. Oh. For the ones that's like, hey, he knows the, he knows the culture for the Panthers. <laughs> 28 seasons of the Panthers' existence had never had back-to-back winning seasons, ever. The culture of the Panthers is losing. This this move is just a continuation of bad decision making and bad losing culture, man. I'm not happy. It's with hard this at to all, argue man. against these Fuck people. This guy, you man. know, it's like next thing you know, he's gonna make Tabor the head coach. Oh my gosh, it's probably what he's gonna do. What the fuck? Oh no, we're not getting a Tabor. Don't worry. Uh, let's keep going. C three Pizans, how you doing? So Dan Morgan, huh? New GM. Yeah. I'm neither here nor there about it. I'm going to try to stay right down the middle. You know, would have preferred young blood, but, you know, that's fine. Um, 
you know, being one of the younger old heads on this show, you know, I'm only 38, so I'm not as old as you, Tony, and the rest of you. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I remember watching Dan Morgan play. Hell of a fucking player. Hell of a linebacker. You know, he was like the original Luke Keekley, Not as good, obviously, but, you know, kind of the same thing. Concussions got to him. You know, all these big hitting some bitches from back in the day. That's usually the case. But, you know, hopefully, uh, <clears throat> hopefully he could do something. You know, bring the culture back because he was around when Keith Pounding was born and alive. So, yes, sir. it was all about that. You know, everybody was like, oh, he's not you know, probably going to be calling to take right. down the Keith Pounding signs. <laughs> like, we were just getting started with that son of a bitch. So, you know, he knew nothing about it. Wilkes, he knew something about it. So, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully it works. Hopefully it works. Um, uh, I seen they got rid of that, uh, Samir Suleiman guy. Evil. That's fine. Um, really don't know what the hell his job was anyway. Something about cap <laughs> management. We all know the cap is bullshit. Yeah. He isn't even good at it. It's but, bullshit. Uh, I know you guys are, uh, beating each other off about the new, or the next head coach. Um, I really don't have an opinion on it. I guess the right. guy from Tampa would be okay. Uh, guy from Detroit, I guess, will be all right. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. It looks like Harbaugh is going to the Chargers. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, that's about it. Kind of a kind of a newsy type of day. But uh, it's like anyway, one of those like, comedic the observation <laughs> bits, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. yeah, man. Uh, thank you, Muscles Marinara. Uh, Muscles is the man. And we're beating each other off over the next hang. <laughs> uh, oh, he said we were talking. Oh, this is, you know, where your jokes come home to roost, right? Like, this is why you got to be nice to people and you don't pick on people and stuff. Is like, I used to make a. You mentioned the size of the heads. Like, if we got in this, till the what's the guy from Tillis or whatever? Yeah, Brian Tillis. Yeah, yeah. Brian and then Tillis. you talk about uh, Dan Morgan's cranium. Is I used to always joke that he looked like a, well, he does kind of have a cavemanish look to him. Sure. Yeah. Right. As and I used to be like that little brain was just a bouncing around in that head like a ping pong ball. That's why. Yeah, and now, look, I'm here doing a podcast 10, 20, 15 years later saying, oh, he's smart enough to <laughs> Right. <laughs> sorry, Dan. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have made fun of your big head and your giant brain. Your brain is too big for your giant head. That's what the problem was. Not too small. Let's go to the next call. C3 Paisans. Same one. Uh, next call. Paul Cast Brothers, how y'all doing? I know it's been a while. What's up, G? Hey, hey, y'all. Y'all seen it. Dan Morgan is our new GM. I really, honestly, problem with it. I know everybody online does because everyone thinks that Dan Morgan is a is a yes man to Tepper. But to me, honestly, I don't think so. I think it was more fitter than anything. But I saw this shit. I posted this shit on Twitter. I don't know if it's true or not, and uh, it was saying that, you know, Dan Morgan was totally against the Sam Donald trade. He wanted to draft uh, draft Charles Cross. He wanted to draft C.J. Stroud. He was against signing Miles Sanders. He was against trading up for I think Corral. this was a... Uh... Yeah, that was stupid. And he was against trading McCaffrey and D.J. 
And these are just speculations or whatever. But to me, if this shit is true, then we got us a damn good GM. <laughs> and I used to love Dan Morgan. GM, I always had something for Dan Morgan. Because for the fans out there who don't know, before Keekley, before Thomas Davis, oh, man. before John Beeson, it was fucking Dan Morgan. Yeah. That motherfucker was damn good quarterback. Be- he had, a, what, 20 tackles in Super Bowl 38? That motherfucker was an animal. But he kept getting concussions and shit like that. Hey, if he was a quarterback but going you know for 20 what? tackles, he sure as hell was Morgan, a beast. Yeah. And he already fired that one dude. I forgot his damn name. The dude that does the contract. Suleiman. Yeah, evil. damn Middle Eastern dude, I think. <laughs> Middle he fired his ass. So give me your thoughts on Dan Morgan and y'all. Hey. Uh- Hey, we like it. Is uh, Dan Morgan uh, a hero among Panthers? Look, and it's it's kind of hard for some of the young hat. Uh, and and look, is I love the young fans in Carolina. So I don't ever just because you didn't watch the 2002 or suffer through those teams or whatever. It doesn't make you any less fan or more, you know, than than someone who has been around or whatever. It's just Dan Morgan was that he was yeah. a Luke Keekley. Luke Keekley was a better iteration of Dan Morgan, right? Is that he was flying around. As a player, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like, so if you like to leak Luke Keekley's game, it's like, it's kind of like saying, like, uh, trying to think of like Cam to Mike Vick, you know what I'm saying? Or Lamar, maybe to, Cam, you know, it's like, they're all cut from the same cloth is what yeah. I'm trying to say is Dan Morgan and Will Witherspoon in that Super Bowl were tackling every tackling everybody we yep. had but we had a squad though yep that squad and I was and I actually I want to ask this while we're while we got you for another couple of minutes Ricky yep uh, I was asking a friend of mine. He's a uh, Commanders fan, Redskins fan for life, you know, and he hates his team but loves them. <laughs> and I'm turning into him, sadly. Like he never yeah. gets excited about anything. For he sure. hates the dress. Like he hates everything. Even the Adam. He's like, I don't care. I mean, right. he's a sport. Right. <laughs> he has a sports show. He's a radio host. He talks about sports three hours a day as the main dude on the radio. He's just. He hates the fucking draft. But I was asking him if there was a team, what team where there were players that were so iconic in your memory of of being a fan. And to me, that, I mean, and I know, I guess, because you made the Super Bowl, it's an easy answer for yeah. the Panthers. But, like, sure. if you think about those, that 03 football team, Right. And you think about the 2015 team, there's like seven or eight names. Yeah. That we love. That we yeah. like we would go to the mattresses over. No doubt. Who on those teams do you just see as like a kind of a memorable hero in your life? Yeah. So for me, man, I was a huge Chris Jenkins fan. Chris oh, Jenkins nice, like nice. My dude, man. I love Chris He was Chris so Jenkins. dominant, bro. He was just a force, man. Like He I, was Chris Jones-ish. Yeah, like, <laughs> but just way bigger. He was like bigger, Vince Wilfork, yeah. but, yeah. you know, like just <laughs> massive and disruptive. Um, I also really loved Deshaun Foster. Like, I, you oh, know what I mean? Man. Like, you know, I, I got to interview him, dude. It was great. He was awesome. But that team just had so many iconic people, like you said, right? Like Smitty, Moose. Um, and then you look at, 
Brenton Buckner. Um, you look at Mike Rucker. Mike Minter. Um, Mike Minter. I mean, Mike Minter was incredible, man. And like Mike Fantastic. Minter was the first it's... time that I remember thinking like a safety could be my favorite player. You know what I mean? Like he was so much fun watching him play and he was so physical, man. He would he never be allowed to play over. in this league. Absolutely. Him and Brian Dawkins, dude, would be thrown out of this league immediately. And who is the guy that was the Redskin that got killed? Um, <laughs> Lawrence? No, no, no. Um, um, he was a safety. Oh, Sean Taylor. From, Sean Taylor. Sean, Sean Taylor. Taylor. Like those guys, yeah. they wouldn't even be allowed in the Incredible. NFL. Yeah, and Sean Taylor was one of the best athletes that you'll ever see play the game, man. It, that's that's one of the worst yeah. tragedies, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you make a great point with that team because, and it's not just I don't think nostalgia about them making the Super Bowl. I think that those players were literally just that impactful too. They were just that good. That's why Julius we made Peppers. The Super Bowl. Yeah. Julius Peppers, man. I mean, you're talking about one of the best freakish that athletes defense. you'll ever see play, man. That defense, I think the best Panthers defense that. I mean, I think it's that defense. I think the 2013 defense was pretty fucking awesome. That's the we one were, that I would say, dude. We had that's like 60 sacks. Dude, that was Who was the guy that we got? Savage. Who was that safety that we got from Oakland that was really good? Or he was not. Oh, I mean, what's Gerard Cooper? No, no. he Mike, Mike Mitchell? Mike oh, Mitchell? Does that sound Mitchell. right? The dude that was a yeah, walking Mike penalty. Mitchell. Yeah, he just was blasted. Dude, that team was fun to watch. That was, in some ways, uh, that defense kind of reminded me of the 03 team because, like, we won, like, 15, 12. Right. You know, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I just, like, I just can't. This is the, and and the reason I bring was it Mike this, Mitchell? Yeah, that's what yeah, it was yeah, Mike. Yeah. And I think Mike, Mike, if, if I remember right, Mike only played here for a year or two. Like he didn't even yeah, stay sure. here for long, no, right? No, and he was a, bu- a draft bust, and then he came here and had a good. But look, yeah. as this shows you too, is a a lot of the secondary. I've always said this is like uh, think of Trey Boston. Trey Boston, I think, is a good example of this. Yeah. Trey Boston is a is a good player. When, but he's a pretty good player when he's on a good team. Mm-hmm. But when he's a guy on a bad team, he's not a good player. You know, and that is like, so Mike Mitchell was like that. It's like, man, you put him on a team where he can play a little loose and you got that is like, he was an athlete. That was a fun, that was a kind of a fun team to watch, man. Yep. 12 yep. and four. It was Cam Newton, Steve Smith. Greg was Greg. Greg was doing his thing then. Maybe not. Uh, yeah. And and then it was just defense, defense, defense. The reason I bring it up, though, and I was thinking about it with my friend and talking about it is we just don't have those players on our team. Right. And I know we don't have. I mean, obviously, we're two and 15. Of course we don't. But I don't have a player I love. I, I mean, yeah. like the closest I get is Frankie Louvu and Derek Brown. Yeah, and I, I have a guy I, that I'm just like, this is my fucking dude. Look, yeah. people are talking Ricky all Manning the, all Jr. The, Ricky Manning Jr. had like seven interceptions in the playoff. And five all of the guys that yep. you were hoping would turn into that, like a Brian Burns, and that, yeah, some right. people love Brian Burns, or like a Jeremy Chin, or a, a J.C. Horn, uh, they either haven't worked out or they just haven't lived up to that hype and expectation yet. Uh, well, yeah, Christian I mean, McCaffrey was here, right? Christian McCaffrey right. was the guy that was everybody's dude. Then we traded him. Like Christian, if Christian was still here, 
he'd be a really easy answer to that question. That would be the old, yeah, your guy on this team, right? He would be, man. All right, we'll take another call before you go, and let's see. Did we do Chase? Let's see. Let's see if we did this one. What's up, guys? This is Chase. You know, people talking about we need somebody that uh, that knows the culture of the Panthers and they keep with the Panthers culture. In the 28th season of playing football, the Panthers have never, ever, ever Did had back-to-back winning seasons. The um, culture of the Panthers no. is the culture of we, losing. I, this is, There's no, there yes, is no we culture. We did hear that one? Okay. He, Sorry, Chase. If we didn't hear it, let's do uh, Christian in Arizona. What's up, Panther people? This is Christian in Arizona. Just wanted to chime in on the Dan Morgan hire. I'm sure okay, there's going to be a lot of negativity or questions asked, and I'm, I'm with everyone on that. Uh, why would you possibly promote someone from within who was a part of a disastrous season? I get all that. But I get to be one of the possibly few that can try and put a positive spin on it. It would be that there might be some value in having a former player such as Dan Morgan and like you saw the success, the successes that John Lynch is having. Uh, maybe there's some some value in it. Um, can't speak to whether or not Dan Morgan can be the guy to bring it, but I'm not going to be all doom and gloom about it. I hope not everyone else is. Uh, I got to be honest. Uh, you know, there wasn't really that many GMs that were, um, you know, wowing me. Uh, yeah, per that's. Se, but I also don't know a lot about. All the GMs out there. So uh, hopefully it's not status quo, and hopefully we can uh, he can help turn it around and, and, and bring something to the table that uh, these other potential GMs were going to bring. So anyway, great call. Have a good night, and we'll see. Uh, Thanks, Christian from Arizona. We appreciate the call. You know, guys, I'm a little, I'm not surprised or stuck, but like given the, and maybe it's just the type of way we interact on the internet, you see the Twitter interactions, and maybe it's just the people that, you know, the algorithm is just pumping the negativity to me. Um, But I, I found the calls to be cautious, but not doom and gloom yeah and i agree that guy brings up an interesting point with the john lynch thing um and i hate to sound like a broken record but you know the difference with john lynch being hired and then dan morgan being promoted internally is that john lynch wasn't involved in the failures before he hired right right? like he came in inexperienced no no fingerprints on anything but i do like that player perspective i like that link of, of the two of them because i think that putting john lynch in that position even without any experience put an emphasis and and let it be known they want football people making football decisions at the at the top of the chain they want a football person overseeing it so i think that maybe that's what the idea here is will it work out the same way i don't know but i don't love the process man i hate that it got to where it got how it did but now that dan morgan has the position there is zero interest to oppose it and to sit here and actively try to figure out ways for it to go wrong yeah, I mean, I guess, and the other thing is, John Lynch was a linebacker, right? Or was he a safety? Safety. Uh, safety. Safety. Okay, safety. Yeah. All right, uh, Ricky, we know you got to rock and go, man. Thank you so much for your time tonight, Ricky. Tell them how they can get after you. Yeah, man, you can find me on uh, Twitter. Ricky Bowbody is the at name. I'm Cat Crave. I just released an article the other day, which 
I'm sure would get a lot of people riled up asking if Bryce Young and David Tepper were draws or deterrents. Um, you can check that article out. That's on catcrave.com. Um, and then we have Kitty Lit Podcast that we just have a new episode coming out tomorrow morning. Um, and we will keep on doing them as the news comes, man. And hopefully I get invited back to do these prestigious shows with you, fine gentlemen. Oh, well. definitely. You're always welcome, man. We appreciate you how generous you were with your time. Everybody go check out Ricky Bobody on Twitter, but go to Catgrave. That sounds like a great uh, article right there. And I'm going to definitely read that in the morning because are these draws? Because now we got to start thinking about the quarterback. How are we drawing them here? So thanks, yeah. Ricky, man. We'll catch up with you soon. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate Thanks, it. Rick. Um, as he's mentioned that, Cody, is I, I think that you I still just want to not revisit and talk about it, but just remind your point is that, look, Bryce Young is a part of this future right now is whether yeah. how long he is part of this of the Panthers future is still und, is undetermined. Mm-hmm. But to having a guy that was there who knows why you drafted him, who can remember before the struggles of what the vision was when you selected him isn't the worst thing. You no, know? not at it's all. Because a new guy comes in, and I'm sure he can go look at the film. He can go and try to remember those things. But he wasn't – he is not invested in it. No, 100%. And Dan Morgan being a part of this staff that was highly invested in going up to get Bryce. I mean, I think that's a bigger factor in Dan Morgan's hiring than we've even let on to. I agree. You, you know, the, the fact that it is guaranteed that Dan Morgan is all in on building around Bryce and doing everything possible to see him be successful. And then you all know that, like, if you bring in another GM, somebody that isn't Dan, right, they might have a a higher propensity to to want to or try to move on from Bryce sooner rather than later because they could just say like, well, that's not the guy that I brought in. That's not the guy that we made the decision. Or they just can't remember. They just can't remember. They weren't there for why the decision. Because sometimes things are right and they just don't work out. Yeah, or you right. just put and the wrong pieces around them. Yeah. For but but for everybody who is defending Bryce, you know the avid Bryce Young defender, and I hate that we're at that point where you're like either a poser or a defender and things like that. But we've been there for a long time already. Yeah. But if you're the person that you have to, despite the struggles that Bryce encountered in his rookie season, you have to just say we drafted this week we. we we drafted this guy for a reason. Right. Is that sure? Did it? Is sure. Of course, it didn't work out to the to the nth degree like we thought. But just because that happened doesn't mean the reason we drafted him was wrong. So, like, but right. if you weren't there for that, your ability to waver in the like your the it's got to be harder to keep the faith in adversity. Right. is like I think it just is like Dan Morgan's have to come back and say, you know what? I know this has been sucking. It didn't work. It's not as been as successful as we thought it was going to be. But we believed in this guy then. Right. You, be- you believe in him then. Uh, now, like I've said for a while now, Tony, the mission is to build around Bryce. And yeah. if, if it, you have if it to. means. Yeah. And I think. This was a way to assure 
that that was going to be the goal moving forward. And, and again, man, like he was Bryce was the number one pick for a reason. There's going to be people that want to put Bryce in a better situation. And, and, and listen, as of right now, if you're asking me my number one for all the times that I've, you know, sang the praises of Slowick, I'm not going to turn my back on that. I do think that he has the best kind of system for Bryce to thrive in. I agree. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very happy that John Crumpler was able to come on tonight and kind of illuminate some of those points. Um, I like Canales' yeah. offense that I've seen, but I also think the one the concern that I have for his offense, and it's not him, but Baker is just rip it to Mike Evans every time. Yeah, that's you yeah, know, it's like I think it's, it's easy like, to look good as an offensive coordinator when you have that. Just you got this six five. You saw the touchdown he caught. Like, there's no stopping that. I mean, but at the same time, then I'm sitting there going, I wish we had that guy. <laughs> and we could just grip it and rip it down the butt. So I'm just not like, oh, he's an offensive genius. But I do like that his offense looks downfield a lot. And that look, Baker's playing was playing with confidence. You gotta we can't just explain every man explain everything away. Uh, let's go to the next goal. Hey, this is Panther Pickle. Um, Government. I want to say something. Um, Dan Morgan wasn't the first, wasn't my first one hire. He wasn't the guy I wanted. I was all right with leaving him on the roster somewhere, uh, involving him in the organization. Uh, but he hired. And I stand behind him 100%. Um, you know, um, there's one thing to, um, to know about Keith Towning. It's another to actually see it happen, to see it develop from nothing to that, and to understand the fact that the linebacker's coach, um, was the one who got cancer and said the words, but it was, it was the linebackers led by Dan Morgan to keep pounding going. Um, Dan, I agree with Jonathan Stewart. Dan, Dan knows how a locker room feels. He knows the connections in the locker room. There are things that I wonder about, but I think that's why they're going to go get a cap guy, somebody who's a little bit more knowledgeable to help Dan out as we yeah. go. But, um, I, uh, I, I'm totally with this Dan Morgan hire. Um, this is a guy who could help, uh, restore the, 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 the thing that's been missing for the Panthers for several years, longer years than David Tepper's owned it. Uh, David Tepper didn't kill the Panthers. He just took over when they were going down. Like the assistant captain who took over the boat when the boat was already sinking. Uh, I don't know. We just came off a playoff. It's time to restore and to rebuild and to build better a Panther. And to some folks out there who are kicking and screaming, just waiting for one thing to happen so they can jump on this wagon and say, yeah, I would get out with a bad eye. You know what? Shut the fuck up. Shut the goddamn hell up. Okay? (laughs) You're just sitting on the edge of your chair just waiting to jump when the jumping's right. You know what? You you can't with all the holes on this freaking roster. You cannot 
fix it in one or two off seasons. You you can't. Uh, someday we're going to go over the roster, every single position, piece by piece, and use uh, multiple tools. And and I'm going to show exactly how bad this this. Yeah, so uh, again, this has sort of been my sentiment. And, and look, me and Pickle, uh, we probably both spent too much time on Twitter. But it just seems like one of the things that annoys me so much is when people pick and choose when they could be optimistic about the future, right? Like, we didn't see a lot from Bryce this year to be very optimistic. And yet, if you say you're not optimistic about Bryce, everybody loses their minds, right? But then when you want to be optimistic about someone like Dan Morgan, then it's like, ah, uh, no, you can't, you know, you're not allowed to be optimistic about someone that's highly regarded, about someone that played in the NFL for the Panthers. It's just like the selective outrage is just such bullshit sometimes. Well, man. that's what so, happens when you're 2 and 15. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, for sure. I agree. Let's go I agree. to Anthony and Charlotte. What's up, C3? Um, it's Anthony from Charlotte. Hope y'all boys are having a good Tuesday. Um, first, I just want to start out by saying, um, you know, Dan Morgan, as a white chocolate espresso likes to say, I mean, whatever the fuck. I mean, oh, well, <laughs> hiddly do. I, I don't really know what to say. Um Yeah, no expectations for him. See if he can put talent around the quarterback. Um, all I'm saying is that if this backfires, I was here to say that he was Scott Fitter 2.0. I hope I'm wrong. Why wouldn't I want to be wrong? Because if I'm wrong, that means he can draft talent. Um, yeah. Number two, um, yeah, Ben Johnson was never going to come here. He's going to the commanders. Um, I know there's a lot of smoke around Dave Canales, and I have feelings about him. I mean, I was kind of the first one. Like, I like him for sure. I think he could do a solid job here. Again, he had a lot of work with this year. I like a lot of his concepts, but it's really easy to dial up plays when you got Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin. On the outside doing work, you got a solid tight end, solid running back, great pass protecting offensive line. Um, so yeah, but it's very interesting to me. The betting odds today kind of flipped and Mike Rabel is the leader now of bet online MG. And I know you guys don't care about any of this stuff, but this is the whole I don't know where that's new like quarter gonna be the quarterback. How? Um here this past April. Well, Ricky addressed it a little. Mike Vrabel is the head coach version of Dan Morgan. So if everyone's high on Dan Morgan, maybe go let Dan Morgan pick his own coach. If he wants to bring Mike Vrabel here, dude, I'm all for that. Vrabel got fired decisions, and he did not agree with them. I mean, go back and look in the draft rooms of his face. Certain picks. He was not a big proponent in any of that stuff. I think he's the culture-changing, hard-nosed, mouth football guy we need. And remember, his offense in Tennessee, besides for one season, and last year they still put up like a bunch of 30-point games. I mean, he's not just all defense. 
he had Arthur Smith as his OC, and that's how Arthur Smith got a head coaching job. Um, so those are my thoughts. I think we need to take a look at Rabel. Um, I'll be back for a quick part two, though, because I got to bring something else up. I want to address this though about the uh, the mahem, mahem, mahem on uh, Dan Morgan. Um, I understand again from the very uh, off the rip that we're not going to be excited about anybody associated. There's a lot of reasons to be cautious, to be not optimistic, to be like, to just say, Oh, dad's part of the problem. But to me, I also kind of look around the league and say, who is the guy that is a candidate for GM out there? That is just the sec, the guy. And I don't know if in this cycle of GMs, there truly was that unless you're thinking Adam Peter Peters to the commanders. I mean, even the, uh, the Raiders picked a retread, you know what I mean? Like, is there really a guy that you just believed in so much? And I'm not calling Anthony out. I just didn't feel like there was somebody that we were going to be like the savior. I mean, I mean, the closest we could come up with was Halliby or whatever his name was because of the Eagles. I mean, how many coaching cycles and free agent or, you know, off season periods have a, a, a big name GM. Like, you yeah, don't, I don't really have, know. No, one, no one has, there are no big name GMs. Like there are these obscure guys that really only super football nerds even know the names of anyway. And people like us that are willing to do the research for a podcast. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Everything is very surface level. Yeah. Um, but I would even say, too, if you look at the Texans, Cody, is that I think that the love that's coming down on Casario right now is a sort of luck in a little way, right? It's like they kind of hit lightning in the bottle with their coach with the Stroud, with the two first-round picks, like one and two. But Casario hadn't necessarily been doing a fantastic job before then. You know? So, I mean, I like... I, hey, all it takes is one draft. Yeah. One one good free agent, period. One good draft, and it can change the way that you're thought of forever. Yeah. Let's you know? go to part two. Anthony's here to listen to his call, too. Good timing. What's up, C3? So I'm back. Um, just a quick part two. Listen, and, and like, we all have difference of opinions. I'm not here to tell anyone that they shouldn't not get excited about anything. My whole MO is that just simply, like, it's been a really tough six years here. It's hard for me to, you know, get excited about what we have going on. Um, yeah. My whole thing with Dan Morgan is just, like, it's it's hard to – get down with Kepper retaining a guy from a two and 15 team. Like most of the times, man, you got to clean the whole house and I, and put aside the feel good story for a sec. We, he's got to prove something to me, man. And I know, and I said this for any general manager and any head coach, it's going to take time because fitter and Tepper dismantled the whole roster. Um, so it's going to take natural time to get talent around him, but there's still a lot of things he's got to go out and do this season. He's got to get some real weapons. He's got to make the offensive line serviceable. 
We've seen what happens when the offensive line has been serviceable last season. Bryce Young, when he had time, did pretty well. Um, yeah, and then you got to pair it with a coach that understands what he can get out of Bryce Young. And even, like, Mike Vrabel, for example, like, I- I'm not saying he's this big X's and O's guy, but he can – like I said in my last call, he's hired great offensive minds in the past that have been able to do work for him. He did well with Tannehill. Really effective. So you need that's something we need to think about. And then the other dynamic, I know I keep bringing him up, is simply, like, we we need, um, we need, um, we just need a culture builder, man. We need that keep pounding mentality. And, like, it's hilarious, um, dude. They were talking about, I brought this up on Pat McAfee, about how he was talking about this, people were talking about for saying the Panthers weren't looking for a coach, uh, that the locker room believe, like they didn't emphasize that shit, which tells me Pepper, that's the whole reason he didn't hire Wilkes, because he never took into account morale mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, playing hard for a certain guy. So I don't know. I just don't know. I, I know Dave Canales is a young guy and we're not, we were never going to get the top of the barrel guys. That's just the reality of it. Washington has a way better situation, so do many other teams. But if that's the case, hiring, you know, a first-year offensive coordinator to the job is a lot to ask with this roster. I agree. That's so a good I'm point. Canales, I honestly may say no. Anthony from Charlotte, those are my thoughts. Keep motherfucking pounding. Keep pounding. I feel like you could say similar things about um, uh, Slowick and Johnson. Like, yeah, uh, sure. yeah, I mean, there's it, no it, risk again, that comes yeah. with those young guys. Yeah, yeah, those, those, yeah, again, they, there's a lot of risk. And then a lot of guys wonder if they're good team builders, if they're good culture builders, because you can look at the teams that they're with now and attribute that, attribute that locker room presence to the head coaches like Dan Campbell uh, in uh, Detroit and like D'Amico Ryan's in Houston. So, this is, I mean, I, I don't like the culture questions. I will say, though, about my dog Anthony, I do find it a little bit hilarious that you're like, oh man, you got a clean house. You got to get rid of everyone when it calls for it. But then say that you want someone to apply that keep pounding culture and mentality. Like, how is that not Dan Morgan in a nutshell? I mean, he's a guy that not only do the players love from multiple different regimes of Carolina Panthers. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy that literally knew Sam Mills. I mean, a, a guy that has been around all the greats of this organization, uh, played ball himself. Like, if you want someone that's going to build and keep pounding, I don't know how you could do much worse than Dan Morgan. I'm really interested in this Vrabel. I and the too. Vrabel conversation. He's the only defensive coach. That's I what I was about to ask you. Is he, is he the only guy with a defensive? What about Raheem yeah. Morris? Like it is, I feel like this is that is the only thing is with with Raheem Morris and and Evero. I think that Ricky brought up a good point is that they've worked together in the past, so that might be a decent fit. You know, Morris and Evero keeping him around because they might not have bad blood. I just wonder if we're so, and I think Raheem Morris. So I don't. I feel like this is going to sound like a knock on Raheem Morris because his resume is there. Right. Like he's, you know, he deserves and has earned a real consideration. I just wonder is the D'Amico Ryan's, is it a kind of a D'Amico Ryan's effect? 
kind of younger defensive coach. I mean, I don't want to, I mean, but uh, also African-American. I mean, and not that that's the read, but it's just like, does D'Amico Ryans make, if there was no D'Amico Ryans, if the Texans weren't good this year, is Raheem Morris as still an intriguing candidate? You know, it's like kind of, you know, it's like we all, what's, what's work in other places. I don't know if that's reminiscent. I, I, I just, I think Vrabel, I could, I could get behind. I still like in CK, you like the guy from Baltimore, right? The defensive um, coordinator. I know Ricky was talking about it. I just, you know, I mean, okay. Like uh, for me, it's just like, Hey, Vrabel is like been on Super Bowl squads, dynasties. He made the damn Titans relevant. When they shouldn't have been. Yeah. Man, they didn't. I mean, they still didn't have he's a lot. Probably, of I agree with you. He so uh, he's uh, he would be the only. Vrabel is the only real defensive player that I would like. Really, you know, yeah, be like, like, oh, Bullshit. okay, Bullshit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, take yeah, that, yeah, Belichick. I, come on, yeah, Belichick. I, I would, I would feel, uh, feel especially if Bill Belichick goes to Tennessee or to Atlanta. Yeah, to Atlanta. And then you guys got to bring this up. Let's go ahead and bring it up. You guys see this? Oh man, Cam Newton. I got you. On uh, and, and it's not. It's just. It's not the video itself. We're not going to play yeah. it. But he goes on Good Morning Football, and they asked him, "What are the three teams you want to play for?" He hurt my feelings. He, he hurt said only one. He said Atlanta. It's my worst nightmare in the history of the world. Is nah, is Cam? First of all, because like I'm going to be one of those people, like. I'm always going to kind of root for Cam, but that's the one place I can't. Yeah, but I won't do that. Yeah, I won't do it. No, no. Uh, flame for Jesus! Thank you so much. Look at this. Uh, comes in. Yeah, what a great gift you can give. The gift of a C3 Super Fan membership. You get your emojis now. You can put your subscriber shame out there. You can put your die on that hill emoji and we'll continue to expand that program as we continue to grow with you. Thank you, Flame for Jesus, for your generosity. Let's go to the next call. Hey, guys, Panther Realist here. Just trying to be honest about this. We don't know for sure how this Morgan hire is going to work, but I got great fear that this guy could be another guest man and that we could have just hired Matt Millen part two. Part, part two, guys. And let's face it, you want to ask Lions fans how bad it is? Look what Matt Millen did, did to that team. If he does that to he us. He was a Lions GM before I don't, you. I can't even imagine uh, how bad it's going to be. But that's just my greatest fear. So we just hired Matt Millen Jr., guys. Matt Millen uh, was, they picked like three wide receivers in the top five, three years consecutively. Like they had like Charles, God, I can't remember it, but I think he was a former player too. Um, All right, next call. Hey guys, it's the growl that makes him howl, a.k.a. Joey the Blind Panther. Joey. I'm talking about Dan Morgan. Look. I actually like this move. And yeah, I know people weren't wanting it because 
oh, with somebody in the organization, you I'm know, stunned by the we don't want anybody in this organization. But the truth is, Dan Morgan should have been the GM a long time ago, and Scott Fitterer should be should have been on his couch because Scott Fitterer didn't know shit. But you know, Dan Morgan has a passion for this organization that I don't think anybody in this front office had. And he has that coupled with the experience. So I really think he's going to give it his all to make sure that uh, he does right by the team that he played for and the city that he loves and the city that loves him. So I'm actually quite happy about this. I actually think, you know, this was a great thing considering how literally no one's going to come into this team without, um, you know, with with David Tepper. And, you know, for maybe Dan Morgan thinks of it as I'm the only one that could save the Panthers. And we need somebody to save our ass because we suck. We're bad. Somebody you know? save we, we, we need some, We need help when we don't deserve it. And Dan Morgan is the only one with enough love and passion for this organization that would do that. And we hired him before we hired the head coach, so that's a good sign. Yeah, that, maybe that's David positive. Tepper, maybe somebody is finally this is my call of blasting through some of whatever the hell is in David Tepper's head that's making him so damn thick. Probably lose a couple hundred pounds. He'd probably lose like 20 pounds if he got some of that thick bullshit out of his head. But anyway, I want to hear what you guys have to say about what I just said. And anyway, guys... Love the call, Joey. Love the call. That's my call of the night. And the chat is undefeated. Uh, right away, they knew exactly who I was talking about. Charles Rogers, Roy Williams, Mike Williams. And then it took them finally getting Calvin Johnson, who I think was drafted by a different GM. Joey Harrington was in that group. Not man, he was a quarterback. He had a good rookie year, I think, Joey Harrington. Um yeah, Roy Williams, all those guys were supposed to be awesome. Um, Charles Rogers was good for college. It's kind of like another, how many of those guys went to, I think Charles Rogers, which one, Mike Williams, one of those guys was USC, right? You never take the USC wide receiver chat. You can, they're undefeated. You guys can tell me if one of those guys went to USC. Uh, <laughs> hell yeah, Joey, Wakanda forever. Um <laughs> The my man, what a great! I'm glad you like the shirt, by the way. The real C3 AP. I finally got it out three months later. Let's go to the next call. Yo, what's up, T3? Uh, um, I'm not mad at Dan Morgan. Yeah. I don't. I'm stunned by the calls, dude. I mean, okay, he works there with him and all that stuff. He had some influence, but the owner, the owner. And veto anything you choose to do, what can you really do? So whose fault is that? And if you got a new guy in here, what you gonna do? You gonna do the same thing? Get vetoed by fucking Tepper, and then you got a quarterback who sucks. It's gonna be tough, bro. It's gonna be tough for Morgan, but the players, the players like him. Hopefully, he can get it straight. Hopefully, hopefully Tepper can step back. Let the man do his thing. Let him work. You get a court. You get a coach up in here soon. You start scouting these fucking players again, and try again next year. 
but I'm not mad at Dan Morgan. He's a football guy. He's a real football guy. No money, man. None of this extra stuff. All right, guys. Have a good night. Damn, he died, man. The chat. I, I love the people. When you say we got all the the best Panther fans in all of YouTube, you ain't lying. These kid. First of all, thanks for sticking around three hours into the show. Over a hundred and thirty people watching. Make sure you smash the thumbs up button. Subscribe to the show. Great calls tonight. I'm really stunned, to be honest. A little. Uh, hey, it's just not all negativity on the Dan Morgan. I did not know that Charles Rogers. Maybe I heard that a long time ago. Thanks for the call. Even Al is a uh, temperate tonight. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it, the the point the point remains true that just because we spend a lot of time on Twitter uh, and, and see Twitter's general reaction to something, it, it just only goes to prove that it's not representative of Panther fandoms a, as a whole. You know, or so, that you have to change your delivery of discord at times in different genres you know what i'm saying like that just kind of lends towards and again maybe the algorithm is pushing that crap i get irritated with some of the people now i've gotten to the point oh, me too. i'm just oh. irri- and i'm supposed to like them like i shouldn't dislike but i'm like well yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Oh, by the way, I put a poll in the chat uh, that received 216 votes. Are you a fan of Dan Morgan being named the Panthers general manager? 59% say yes, 40% say no. Okay. So uh, hey, again, that, maybe I think that's very fair given that I felt like you should be. I think, look, like CK said, is like there's a lot of reason for this for people to not be excited about this. Yeah. 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 And it's important to remember that too, right? Because in, in this receipts culture that we live in, you know, it's like it, we can say no matter what happens, well, there were a lot of people that were feeling good about the Dan Morgan hire at. At the time, us included. If you you see the temperament, though, of the calls, and I think this is just what I'm going to be, is Mm -hmm. that I can be optimistic, but I don't have to be carelessly optimistic. As I, you know, it's like you got to every, you're going to have to earn it some too. Like I, I was just all in on the super squad of coaches. And the Bryce Young move. You know what I'm saying? I was just so all in. I was just setting myself up for disappointment. And they fucking disappointed us like crazy. I think we could say this. is like, I don't have to claim that Dan Morgan is going to be a savior. But I also don't have to believe that he's going to be a failure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Um, One of the things that I've liked to say before the start of every season, it's prove it season. It's prove it season. If you are the shit, if you're the if you're the great GM, if you're the great player, if you're the great coach, time to go out and fucking prove it, man. Yeah, you're gonna result. have to earn it, man. Because I tell you this is uh that look is that's what it is. The NF not for long league. Mm-hmm. Not for long. So guess what? If you don't earn it, last two calls, guys. What's good, my C three family? Dude, what up? Time for North Carolina. Shout out to the great Tony Dunn, to the homie Cody Lack, to Cole Dizzle C. 
Okay, to shut the hell up, Panther Pickle. So that up and guy muscles, marinara, Kristen Ladane, and everybody needs a G, baby. What's He's good, really my people? Down. Had time to marinate. Had time to think. Time to let my thoughts burn on Dan Morgan. With the hearing that there's going to probably be another barrier between the GM and the owner with, you know, vice president or another guy. I'm hearing the Tillis guy to Kansas City. I feel better. That kind of automatically pushes Tupper back a little bit. I do hope. Um, As it comes to my team, you know, Optimus D, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to give Dan Morgan the proper amount of time, which yet right now I don't know how long that would be. I mean, yeah. But I know a lot of people that are very disheartened at the fact that he was with the old regime, and yeah. I can understand the skepticism and so forth. But like I said in Panther Pickles' um, spaces yesterday, which I thank you for having me on, of course, um, yeah. at a beautiful time. One of the things that I had to take into consideration about this is is that I like a competitor. And Dan Morgan is a competitor. He played football. He knows talent. He's played around a great talent. He, you know, was coached by the great Sam Mills. He played at the U. He was excellent for us and all that great. But now we got to see what he's learned from Bean, uh, just all the guys that he was underneath. And, yeah, I do agree. I was convinced easily yesterday that Canellis is probably the guy, and I'm cool with that. But Panther family, I urge you, and I know you don't want to hear this, but we need to let this thing play out. Yeah, I'm we all in on Mike, on Mike Vrabel. I know now. this is not sexy uh, uh, really? to, to go with, but it's not the worst that we could run with. Um, Besides that, I want to see how quick he's going to try to get a deal for Burns to get a little more draft capital, Um, how long it's going to take before he extends Burns. Those are a lot of things that's going to uh, – not Burns, but Brown, I'm sorry – and I, those are the things and different calls and plays within this offseason that's going to really tell me a lot about Morgan, um, his aggressiveness, how logical the moves are. And like I said, let's just take a wait-and-see approach. And I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. I hope y'all are having an awesome Love you season. too, D. Um, I just can't wait to listen and hear what all y'all thoughts are. So, yo, y'all have a great night. D from Sanford. D! I want to say this: D is batting a thousand on his calls. Uh, dude, he's he never done. had a, a, a not even a mediocre call. Do him and uh, my guy Diesel Skills? They represent that eternal optimist. You just yeah, can't bring just, him down, man. He brought mm-hmm. real points, though. It wasn't oh, just uh, optimism for the sake of being optimistic. Right. And here, can you put up that super chat real quick? Uh, because. The real C3 AP said, where's that goddamn dude that calls in? And uh, I believe somebody else, C-Dog. C-Dog. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's from yeah. along. But C-Dog said, where's G-Baby? Stop it's hiring. It's a, it's a G-Baby, stop hiring. But he also doesn't like the GM hire. Let's go dude, to the last I'm call. Might you, be C-Dog. Who we have... Who? The best community, man. It's really Dude, good. We have, we have stars amongst stars over here at C3, man. We're doing yeah. a good time. Um, here, last call of the night. If it's C Dog, this could be awesome. <laughs> uh oh. C Dog, 1980. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just sort of sweet. 
uh, with Dan Morgan hiring. I don't got nothing against Dan Morgan, but Dan Morgan was with the same people who just got let go from here. And he was around, if I'm not mistaken, with the Matt Rule area, the Matt Rule era and everything. But, uh, it just shows that, you know, it's a fucking joke and a slap in the face to the fucking fans. After having egg on our face for wasting the number one pick on Bryce Young and giving up everything we gave up for Bryce Young and DJ Moore. We had a career year this year with the uh, Chicago Bears, you know. But, I mean, to sit here and pick Dan Morgan, you know, um, uh, my bad, go back. But uh, it's a slap in the face because Tepper supposedly, you know, hired, you know, this team or whatever. We always hear all this bullshit, you know. But it's why, you know, man. I'm just frustrated, man. But like I told y'all, my longest temper here, I don't see us being good. You know, I don't said that before. You know, with him hiring his firm and everything, and then just got them hired Dan Morgan. You know, that's some bullshit, man. That's just some bullshit. Ain't shit about to change. He just got only thing he did was got another fucking yes, man. You know. I mean, tell me otherwise, or explain to me otherwise. That's all he did when he hired Dan Morgan, you know. This is very frustrating, man, you know. I have no hope for us being the longest temper is the fucking owner, you know. I, you, I mean, like, no. dude, you haven't had a winning season since you owned the fucking team. Like, you would think you would just let somebody got them run, do the shit, you know. Like, you're just a fucking owner, dude, you know. But we got a dumbass fucking owner, man. Dumb as fuck. Dumb as a box of fucking rocks, man. I know Jerry Richardson got them turned over his grave right now. You know. Well, he's still alive. Whenever you come in here, make sure you hit the fucking like button. Make sure you got to subscribe to this great fucking content. Live every goddamn Tuesday. You know. Everything just blends together. They got the free for all. We got them Cody and everybody else up got them on Friday. Appreciate you, brother. Game recaps during the football season. You know. Then during the football season, they got, they got them games in Malaysia, you know. But there wasn't no need for that shit this past season because Bryce under the fucking trash. The fucking <laughs> bum, heart garbage, you know. <coughs> Love you, C Dog. Getting better from here, you know. But, you Great know, stuff, C Dog. C3 podcast could get us through. Thank you, man. Thank you, C Dog. Um, those are the calls I, for tonight. I got, I got a question. Like, no one. You know, what C Doll, what he's saying about Dan Morgan, and to everybody that's like, uh, here we are just drinking the Kool Aid again. Like, there is always that thing where it's like, you want to be optimistic. Sure. You well, want you to be yeah. at this point, do you? Yeah. Well, but that's uh, what I'm saying. Put like, this up in the chat, and I think it's fair, is like, if you wait, I mean, but it said next week, next season, next coach, next regime. Well, that's what you have to be when this one isn't working. You know, like, what, yeah, what is yeah. the alternative? I mean, you could just yep. say it's not going to work. And I and I think there's a lot of reason for people to be cautious. I think there's a lot of people for uh, tons of reason to not be excited. You know, and that's why I'm not over. I don't think any of the calls have been overly excited. I just think sure. that they're just kind of measured. It's just like, all right, well, this is our GM now. Let's sing, sing some try to find some reasons of why they hired him and how they can, can how this team can build forward. What is the alternative? Like what? Go watch women's basketball? 
<laughs> Certainly not an alternative. No, I mean, again, though, but it's like if you run the risk, I say risk, but like if you're like Sea Dog and you're just like, wow, this shit ain't gonna work out. It's another yes, man. Like, uh, do you have every right to believe that? Every right yeah. to think that? And uh, knowing how this Panthers organization has performed in recent years, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. And I'm also willing to admit I probably have a little bit of bias because I've been a fan of Dan Morgan, the GM, for a long time. I felt like he would have been a good candidate the first time around. Yeah, we you know, wanted I, him to be. Yeah, I just think that it, it, it's so much easier said than done. And I'm probably guilty of saying this, too, to be like, well, but you have to speak up. You have to say your piece. You have to fight for your guy. You have to go in there and do that. A lot of that's easier said than done. I believe when you're in a room, you have an uh, an aggressive owner who's always making his opinion heard. Then you have Scott Fitterer, who's trying to manage all the opinions of all the other coaches and all the other scouts. He's trying to play a yes man. Then you have the head coach putting his input in from Matt Rule to Frank Reich. It just seems to me like uh, it, Dave Morgan was probably further down the totem pole when it came to major decisions being made for the Carolina Panthers. So with that said, I choose to be optimistic. I'm not going to blame all the negativity and the bad decision-making of recent years on Dan Morgan. Yeah, man. And I, I'm going to give him a, a clean slate and hope that this is somebody that can help rebuild a culture of keep pounding in Carolina. I don't need to defend his past stuff. All I got to just do is now it's time to put, roll up your sleeves and work. And I think we've brought up some good points. I think a couple of things. And really, if you just want to walk away from this, and then I do want to talk real quick about the playoffs. But uh, yeah, sure. one is this is Bryce Young. The commitment to Bryce Young exists there. If you believe that Dan Morgan was influential in this front office, then you got to believe that he, and it seems like he was when it came, he was around there with the way we're doing all the quarterback picks. So I like that. There's a positive component of that. I like the fact that they're doing this and then they're hiring the, the, the coach next. But to me, I also think there might be something to the fact that maybe this signals that uh, Tepper isn't just rashly making Whatever. It's just like wherever, you know, it's just wherever the wind blows. So there'll be plenty to talk about going forward. I do want to bring this up, guys, is look, is the playoffs have been incredible this season. Yeah. Um, you had a great game between Detroit and Tampa. Detroit advances. Um now then you had the Green Bay giving a real run for the money again for the San Francisco 49ers. Is that if they make that field goal, um, you know, it changes the yeah. dynamic of the game and, uh, you know, at least it's a tie. Maybe they're going to overtime, get the ball to late. But so we got San Francisco and Detroit in the NFC and Baltimore and Kansas City, two quarterbacks drafted. In, uh, ooh, I don't know. Yeah. It was Baltimore was Lamar. No, the, no um, uh, Patrick were- Mahomes was. Uh, 2000, I believe, 17. Was it yeah, Josh 2000. Allen then that was the Lamar year? Because was, I saw someone said that it was crazy that Baker went first and Lamar was in that draft and somebody else was in it. Sam Darnold. Well, okay. I know I know 2018, that was 
the one with uh, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Okay, so Josh Allen. So they passed passed on Josh Allen. They passed like his. But anyway. uh, I believe Pat and Lamar were about two years separated from. Y'all's thoughts on the AFC NFC matchups. Man, dude, I. I'm starting to be, to believe more in the conspiracy that the colors on the Super Bowl logo yeah. is like a predictor of who's going to be in it. Uh, what is I, that? What are the colors well, on it? So they're they're purple and red. Oh wow! Yeah, so everybody's saying that. that it's the one seeds uh, that it's going to be Baltimore versus San Fran. Uh, that was a rematch of what was that Super Bowl uh, 2012. When the Harbaugh brothers coached. Oh, wow. Okay. So that is a rematch. Yeah. I didn't yeah. Even think about that. Um, and, uh, the, uh, again, look, I'm going to pull. I'm at this point where I don't really care too much. Like, I don't really have a dog in the fight. I obviously don't want to see the Chiefs win another Super Bowl. Dude, how crazy that in a down year for the Kansas City Chiefs, still, still no one can take, it out, take them out. They're still in the AFC Championship game. Like, Dude, that yeah. level of consistency. I mean, because Mahomes is, just, is that guy, so, man. Mahomes is in the – he's the guy that Cam Newton was talking about. Well, he's the new fa- – yeah, he's the new face of quarterbacking in he, the NFL. He is the so. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning of our yeah, generation. 100%. Or this modern world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so like the Ravens. Think- I really like the Ravens. I think they're – they've been my Super Bowl pick for a long time. CK, um, mm-hmm. your thoughts on look, Christian McCaffrey really put a dagger in fucking Green Bay's heart in that game. Uh, yeah. Christian McCaffrey's fantastic. Your thoughts on the playoffs and the potential Super Bowl? Um, I agree. I think it's, uh, I don't know that the Lions have the firepower to overpower the 49ers. Yeah, the um, defense is a little questionable. Um, and I, the Chiefs beat the Bills when the Bills couldn't stop a nosebleed. Um, they didn't have, they have the, uh, so many of their starters, they're all pros or were injured in that game. Um, I said that uh, I didn't see uh, CJ Stroud having a great game against the Baltimore Ravens yeah. being the team that they were. Um, he had a couple of dropped interceptions, which were good for his number, but, you know, not great for the, the, <coughs> the you know, uh, the film. So I think that this, uh, this Ravens team is going to be able to expose the, the the Chiefs for what they have been all year, and that is a little bit less than what they have ever been. The yeah. scary the scary thing about KC is that they're running the football. Like now they're actually getting Pacheco and they have a defense. The where, where, they're not yeah, running the, they're not running the, they're not running the ball this week. Oh, uh, right. I yeah. Play. I mean maybe. Yeah. It's like the Ravens, they're going up against a complete team. Well, I, my my thing is is like, yeah, I get that the Ravens are the easy money, but dude, it's just that Chiefs factor, dude. The NFL writers going to be in Baltimore, NFL right? Riders, it's hard to win in Baltimore. Yeah, but the NFL writers want uh, Taylor Swift and Jason Kelsey to be in a box in the Super Bowl, uh, so that way they can pan the camera to her every fucking five minutes. I don't okay. know if I if oh, I'm. Okay. I, if I'm if I'm picking, I, I'll I'll pick the Ravens, but it would not surprise me in the slightest if yeah. Kansas City came out on top of this. And I mean, honestly, to me, it's a win-win either way for both of the NFC teams. If the Lions win, hey, go Cap Bros, go out there and get yours. 
And then if uh, San Fran, hey man, we get to watch um, Steve Wilkes oh, Caffrey compete for a Super Bowl, man. I so. think though is this is for if uh, I got Baltimore 49ers, right? Um, I think my question, I'm pulling for Baltimore because I just like Lamar. I like Monken, um, and I picked them earlier in the season. But if Detroit makes it to the Super Bowl, I don't know how I'm going to pull against them. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was like, yeah. I mean, just the rooting. Oh, remember Baltimore played Detroit earlier this year. And, oh, and Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, they're winning. Baltimore's winning. All over them. Man. All right. That's the C3 the Panthers. They're going to win. So Jim Harbaugh will have oh, won the national championship. And his brother, John, is going to win the Super Bowl. That's crazy. That's, That's the C3 wild. Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. We're the longest-running Panthers podcast. That's right. And on the longest-running Panthers podcast, we got to do the longest-running segment. We're going to take this show, and we're going to make it even fucking longer right now. It's time to ice some fools up, Cody. Let's do it. It's our homage to Steve Smith. This is where we tell someone to ice up, toughen up to get it together. It is everyone is fair game. Um, and this is the moment we can stay or leave the football world. And the problem is, is there's so many people in the world deserving of an ice up. I hope if you got multiple, let me know because I'm ready to ping pong it. And I'm just going to oh, go I've ahead. Got- I've got uh, I've got three for you. Today. All right, we're we're ping ponging here. Is right here. This is my first ice up. Is be careful when you fuck around and find out here. This guy right here. I don't know what's running, who caused this, but you better watch out for my for a haymaker. Boop! Crud! Oh, oh man! He hit the brick pillar, bro. Oh god! Oh, that guy is seriously gonna need a lot of ice. Oh, uh, that. get that guy an Excedrin migraine. <laughs> All right, first ice up pick, Cody. You go ahead. Uh, yeah. So listen, whenever you're at social gatherings amongst friends, uh, just make sure that you and your significant other understand. Uh. Uh, maybe try not to embarrass each other so bad, you know. We ask a hundred married women, name something you've been wishing for years your husband would do. person oh no dude got what am a, i, I got a, so it says i got a facial masculization surgery 50 days ago it does take a full year to heal so there's still a lot of swelling i got implants on the jaw chin cheek brow ridge 
as well as shaving down my forehead. I feel so happy and blessed with how my healing has been going so far. This person said, was fitted to tell folks congrats on the football hall. Of <laughs> 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 they got the bu- They thought they got the bust in the in camp, bro. Sorry, that mess got me tripping. All right. Oh, nice stuff. Uh, actually, uh, Man, maybe you should masculine that haircut, though. You got all that surgery, but you left yeah. the... Never mind. So, okay, dude. Uh, mine, uh, I'm icing up the English language. <laughs> because, it, okay, you can be speaking English with someone, and yet it's like they're not even speaking the same fucking language at all. I presented you the glass region accent the scottish accent is famous for being difficult to understand but the glaswegian accent can be even more difficult there are words and phrases in glasgow that sound a bit like a foreign language even so i'm on a mission to find some people to help me translate i'll give anyone a dollar if they can tell me anything this motherfucker says okay so i love the Glaswegian accent, and I was wondering if you could teach me some local phrases. Well, it's very hard to bring me mean. This is the thing. It's only it's all right when you start as you going and happy, happy as us. Hmm? You understand? The Scottish. <laughs> I said you understand. I got that part. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> I think it starts out, it's hard. The Glaswegian accent, and I was wondering if you could teach me some local phrases. Well, it's very hard to bring them to mind. This is the thing. It's only even your daughters are not going to any and happy, happy as us. You're right. He did say it's very hard. That's crazy, yeah. man. That dude, is that's... difficult to understand. <laughs> it's like, a, dude, it's like a, a different language altogether. Yeah. Um, so, okay. I, I started it out with um, uh, a wife embarrassing a man. Uh, now, it's just going to be another drunken man embarrassing another man uh, in what might be one of the best uh, finishers to a street fight that I've maybe ever seen. Mrs. Oh! <laughs> but Mrs. The kick up on the shoulders. Oh, that dude's panicking right here. <laughs> oh, that's a oh, that's a real wrestling. That's a WWE. Oh, and then oh, he I know. Nice. Face. <laughs> oh, so, nice. uh, to, to that guy's back. Uh, I say ice up. All right. Uh, I got to ice up. This is not the first time I've iced these people up, but PETA's got to get an ice up for me. Oh, no. So they're upset. Uh, Ugga, the most one of the iterations of the UGA mascot, passed away. And, oh, is that who that was? I saw it. Training yeah. And uh, so Ugga passed away, and uh, PETA puts out uh, rest in peace, Ugga. He struggled to breathe every day of his life. Ugga, University of Georgia's retired mascot, died this morning. The University of Georgia promotes chronically suffering, breathing-impaired breeds, and the cruel dog breeding industry by using English Bulldog as its symbol. The school has subjected 11 dogs to the stress and danger of being used as a mascot. They have subjected 11 dogs to existing. That's what they're mad about. They're upset. It must stop dooming dogs to live like this. 
So they're icing them up. But they're actually calling for the extinction of this breed of dog. I don't know yeah. if ex- and on top of that, uh Ugga probably had a better life than like eight percent of Georgians. Or like a hundred percent of the miserable fucking Peter members that put that <laughs> shit out. <laughs> you know? right. uh, I gotta like, follow on. through on this one. This is crazy. I don't know if this is an older brother here that is in a slap fight with the like, but he watch this mess. I just saw this. This one's awesome. Mm. Oh. Mally. <laughs> that little kid, don't fuck with this kid. Look, he, he fighting him, man. Uh, also, I gotta ice this up. Uh, Brazil's. I've seen that. Entrance to uh, the World Cup. Or okay. yeah, that's funny to me, and. Uh, I'm sorry, I got a lot today. Uh, you seen this one? Um, this girl with her boyfriend, and then she's yeah. On- is this? I saw. Is this fake? fake. Girl? I kind of feel Look, like same outfit. Um, and this last one. This one makes me laugh. The tweet's great. It said, "Probably thought she was a giant tennis ball." There's no music, is there? No, I'm not even gonna make sure. <laughs> all right so to all those people ice up toughen up to get it together that's the c3 panthers podcast brought to you by carolina cat chronicles.com where every tuesday night we chop up the latest panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective man it's been a blast hanging out with you guys uh always get a third and fourth win when i do the show um, and I thought we had some really great insight, good conversation, fantastic calls. And thank yeah. you for all your insight from the panel, Cody, CK, and all the people listening. Cody Lack, take us out of here. C3 Nation, until next time, keep pounding.